Welcome to NoClip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherman's. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD, uh, which was developed by Nintendo C-A-D, E-A-D. E-A-D, there you go. Yeah. Uh, published by Nintendo and was released in 2006 on the GameCube and Wii and with the HD remaster that we played uh, being released on the Wii U in 2016. Yeah, I didn't realize until I looked that up that it was a 10-year anniversary Oh, yeah, release, yeah. I didn't realize that even though I just looked at it. <laughs> uh, but first, oh, yes. you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we're on that 100 Creep on, on YouTube. Creep. Uh, yeah, we're, we're a small podcast, so most of our engagement is on podcast apps. But if you care at all about watching uh, some gameplay footage while we talk, uh, check us out on YouTube and subscribe if you think, uh, if you're into it. Yeah. Also, if you're not into it, subscribe anyway. Yeah, because that 100 creep. <laughs> exactly. It's too important. You can unsubscribe right after, but, like, you gotta get there. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you can break our hearts. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess uh, is an action-adventure game, uh, which is... Uh, there's a lot of stuff about the release of this game that I find interesting, um, and... So, I'm not going to talk about the genre, because the genre of the game is a Zelda game. You know what it is. And, yeah, and, and everyone is familiar uh, with the with what makes up a Zelda game. So, what we're here to talk about, actually, is what makes this game different from other Zelda games, uh, or similar to. Uh, but one of the interesting things about it is that it is, when it came out initially, it was released both on the GameCube and on the Wii. So... Similarly to how Breath of the Wild was kind of used to sell the new console when the Switch came out, this game was like the, it was an introductory title for the Wii. Um, And releasing things on multiple consoles simultaneously in different generations isn't a completely unheard of thing. A lot of really big studios do it in order to hit the widest audience. It was very popular on the PS2. Yeah, because the PS2 was such a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Like, if Twilight Princess came out on the PS2, I'd be like, no, yeah, it makes sense. Like, I feel like up until just, like, five years ago, there were still, like, Just Dance games were coming out on the PS2. Mm -hmm. On the Just Dance machines. Yeah. Uh, But for Nintendo to do it end with a Zelda game was pretty interesting. And, And we did, like I alluded to, see it happen again... Uh, with Breath of the Wild being released on both Wii U and Switch. But uh, the thing that you probably do know, but is a fun fact that I'll spout right now, is that because the Wii version used uh, the Wii Remote as your sword controller, uh, and you could swing it back and forth in order to use motion controls to swing the sword, uh, the GameCube version, Link, is left-handed as opposed to right-handed. Mm-hmm. And so the whole game is just mirrored, uh, which is a really bizarre thing to have happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, they did this in past games, like with Master Quest um, for Ocarina of Time. The game world is flipped, I guess, to make it feel like that little bit fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so when they did this, the dual release, yeah, like GameCube, he's left-handed like usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they were like, well, Wii U, most people are right-handed, or being the Wii. Right. Uh, most people are right-handed, so the Wii remote, you know, will make Link right-handed. So yeah, so they flipped the game world. 
And so I really liked Twilight Princess. I played it when I was 14. That's when it came out. Yeah. Um, so, and it was my first full Zelda game experience. Um, so I, I'm kind of attached to this game. And I've played it probably six times. I think this is my seventh time through it. And so, like, at the beginning, it was like a mind fuck. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, Ordon Village flipped the other way. Yep. Yeah, because playing on the, the Wii U version of the game. Yeah, it's mapped like the GameCube version because yeah. it uses buttons. Yeah, so that was that's a fun time. For me, I don't have quite the history with this game. I did play it when it came out. I played it on the Wii, and uh, I did not touch it again uh until the remaster came out and we talked about this at the end of the last episode uh but both of us like bought the remaster when it came out and then played a little bit of it and then just never came back yeah i didn't touch it at all oh shit never mind i got it uh like a like a year or two later because it was on sale at target for like twenty dollars nice yeah (laughs) and it comes with a sweet amiibo yeah the only amiibo i have wow I can't relate. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so the the HD version is going to be the version that we're talking about. Um, there are interesting version differences between the three versions. Uh, the mirrored control and uh, uh, worlds and the controls are the big one between the GameCube and the, the Wii version. Uh, but the HD version, I think, largely unchanged as far as uh, like the actual layouts and everything go from the GameCube version. So... Uh, that if if you're like, wait, they said left there. That was always on the right <laughs> side. Uh, that's why. Yeah, the only major change that I know of is they like cut down on the number of bugs you have to collect <laughs> yeah. in the in the bug collecting parts. Yeah, I read about that this week. It's it's a pretty minor change, but I gotta say it's a welcome <laughs> one. Yeah, it's appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> um. So where do you wanna where do we wanna start with with Twilight Princess? Uh, that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. Um, Twilight Princess itself seems kind of hard pressed to figure out how to start <laughs> as well. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good as place as any to start, um, even though it's starting off on a negative foot. Um, yeah, like so, the beginning of the game is pretty slow paced. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably its biggest flaw, or at least one of them. Uh, and yeah, it, it makes it like really hard to go back to. Um, I, I'm like kind of, uh, like Stockholm syndromed into it. Like I know this game pretty well, so it doesn't really bother me. Um, but now I know if like, I played this for the first time now, especially after like doing this podcast, um, and just being an adult and my tastes have changed and stuff. Like, I, I feel like it would be really difficult to get into. Um, yeah, yeah, the beginning... Yeah, like, I think, like you said, you like when you stop and think about it, it really does feel like they don't know what they want the game to be. Because mm-hmm. like, it seems like they're both t- like tied to the idea of gotta do another game in the style of Ocarina of Time, like do a follow-up to that, because they hadn't at this point, um, mechanically anyway. Yeah. Um, and also they have this cool like Twilight Realm idea, uh, and they kind of feel like they're pulled in two directions with it. Cause they're like, I was just thinking about it. It's like, it would have been cool to like lean into that. Like maybe there's like a whole twilight version of Hyrule uh-huh. and like the first three dungeons are like some weird twilight realm shit, but no, you got to go grass temple, fire temple, water temple. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it, it feels like, 
a little bit of like a like a missed opportunity i think yeah especially with the the with this in the whole intro right like i think the further you go into the game i think that the like the elements that the twilight part of twilight princess bring to the table are actually pretty worthwhile uh i think there's a lot of stuff in there that that really serves the game and gives it especially its aesthetic like appearance like what, what what it does but this intro it yeah it feels like they had they needed to introduce way too many things um but i i would argue that they probably didn't need to introduce all of them <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> at least all at once you could do it in in parts and to me it was it was really funny to come back to this because this was the third time that i've played the intro second time i played the game mm-hmm. uh but knowing because i had i was refreshed on the beginning of the game when I played it when the HD version came out, uh, it, it's it's hysterical if you know where the grass temple is, or the oh, forest yeah. temple is, how often you're, like, right at the threshold of it. And they're like, no, no, no. Gotta go back to <laughs> Dude, Renan It's Village. dangerous to go alone. Yeah. <laughs> so you, like, go up, and, like, you're there, and I was like, oh, right, the forest temple's here. I should get in there and, and do the thing. Uh, and then it was like, oh, wait, no, hold on. It's like an hour and a half before you get there. Yep. You go back, and then you do the wolf part, and then you're right there as the wolf, and you're like, oh, maybe you start this as a wolf, and then, yeah. nope, go back to Ordon Village again. Now there's a whole thing of the kids getting kidnapped. Then you get to go to the Forest Temple, finally. Well, yeah, I, I think that's another interesting thing to highlight, too, because um, the beginning of this game does feel distinct from other Zeldas. Mm-hmm. Like, you set up Ordon Village... Uh, it's got a memorable theme. It's got like the kids who are set up. It's got the Colin, who's like the he has his little character arc of wanting to become a hero. Right. Um, and his dad is part of that like secret group <laughs> of high rule people that helps you get to the Temple of Time later in the game. Yeah. Um, it's like oh, like Link's a goat herder, and like the mayor is like a sumo wrestler guy. It's like all this distinct stuff. And then it, they don't do anything with any of it. Mm-hmm. It's like it feels like, especially with the kids, that feels like a, like a major side quest that just kind of got like swept under the rug. Yeah, like there's this whole thing with uh, with Ilya. Yeah, who if you play the game and choose not to go back and engage, like I did. You can just basically forget she exists, much like she has forgotten everything else in her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, for like eighty percent of the game, it's really strange. Yeah, it's really weird. Like the, her, she she with the rest of the kids like gets kidnapped at the beginning of the game, uh, in a pretty cool scene. I like it when like the moblins or bacoblins or whatever show up yeah. and kidnap everybody. Um, but yeah, like she has amnesia, and like you don't resolve that. Until right before the end of the game. And then she gives you the the whistle. Yeah. This is to let you call uh, Epona from anywhere. Which would have been really useful early in the game. <laughs> before you could warp around everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it Yeah, it just feels like a really weird thing that feels like it just got kind of pushed to the side. And they were like, well, I guess we won't cut it. Because, you know, and we then the, made the, it. Yeah, yeah, the kids just stay in Kakariko Village for no reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just feels weird. Yeah, there's a lot of like situations where it's implied that it's just like too dangerous to go out into Hyrule Field. Uh-huh. But like 
I've been to Hyrule Field. There's really not that much going on out there. Um, I just wanted to, to briefly uh, shout this out because I didn't. I literally had the epiphany as you said his name. Uh, there's a dude in our, our Discord server. Oh yeah, whose name is Colin and uses a link profile picture. Yeah, and I do wonder if if maybe his name's just Colin, in which case, cool, good on you, Colin. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But if you named yourself after the character from Twilight Princess. Uh, I didn't get it until just now. So, there you go. I always assumed his name's just Colin. His name's probably just Colin. If you're listening to this, you should change your profile picture to Colin, <laughs> to Colin from yeah. Twilight Princess for at least a week. Uh, oh, a week. A whole week. <laughs> I don't know what his Discord life is like. You know, yeah, I me neither. Yeah. But, uh... but, yeah, anyway, that's that's just something I thought of. The other kid who plays kind of a role, though... Oh, Mallow? Game, ...is Mallow, who is the actual star of this game yeah for the baby salesman yeah he's extremely strange like it's mallow who has the head of a baby he is the original boss baby <laughs> he if, is. They, if they made a twilight princess movie he would be voiced <laughs> by alec baldwin uh but yeah he just runs like a general star Mm-hmm. Uh, which we'll get, I want to talk about general stories. Sure. But maybe not right now because it's a weird place for it. Uh, but yeah, they do. They set up the kids. The kids don't really play much of a role. Uh, they, they kind of do, but in roles that feel inappropriate for the kids to be playing them. Yeah. Uh, with, with the exception of Colin, because he does go through like, he's that kid who looks up to you and mm-hmm. he has a full arc and that's fine. Um, but all the other kids just kind of like, Runner, the or one, there. Yeah, the one guy just like is up on. He's like the watchtower oh, yeah. kid. Uh, I don't understand what his purpose is, but he he's there. <laughs> he's just there to be a bully at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, and that's about it. And then the girl is mm. also like, is there to tell you that the Zora Prince is in the graveyard? Yeah, that one. Uh, that's the only thing she really does. Um, but yeah, calling out Mallow, I think is is interesting because it it makes me think of like the aesthetics of this game. Um, it's going for the most realistic style that Zelda's ever gone for. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it, it's both like a strength and a weakness of the game. Um, cause like it, it feels interesting and unique now because it's the only Zelda game that's gone for realism. Mm -hmm. Um, but like it felt at the time, it kind of felt like they were pandering to what people wanted. Right. Um, but yeah, it has like this interesting, I think, like kind of gritty feel that almost makes me think of like '80s fantasy movies. Like it almost makes me think of like The Dark Crystal or like uh, Never Ending Story or something like that. Um, in like the kind of tone, because like you got all the weird Zelda stuff, like Mallow, <laughs> yeah. and the clown guys, and you know, like weird stuff like that. But it's done in a realistic look, um, you know. And then you have like the Gorons and the Zoras, um, which look like good, I think, in this style, but like less memorable. Yeah, the Zora end up kind of blending in more than they really should the goron survived the transition better than anything else yeah. because they they are like they're cartoon rock people <laughs> like yeah the simplicity of the design yeah the, you couldn't do a whole lot to fuck them up but even the, like the 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 goron elders have this like kind of eerie gauntness to them that... yeah it's like they're like um kind of like the monks yeah. from uh um breath of the wild almost mm-hmm. not that skinny but yeah no they still have their 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 chalky exterior <laughs> yes but it's it is a strange it's a weird look uh 
But yeah, no, I agree. And you're talking about sort of like, we're getting into some big boy topics now. Yeah. <laughs> because the aesthetic of this game aged better, I think, than anyone would have guessed at the time. Because the game is intentionally, tonally much darker than other Zelda games. So having this, like, uncanny, creepy, weird art style uh, fits it way better mm-hmm. than than I think it did at the time when we all recognized it as, as being, like, an attempt at realism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just feels so unique for Nintendo. Yeah. It just in general. Um yeah, yeah, I just think that's really interesting to, like, revisit it. And, yeah, like, the HD remaster helps a lot. Um, you look at, like, uh, footage of this, the original version, <laughs> yeah, it looks a lot, like, muddier and drabber mm-hmm. than I remembered. Yeah, it feels a lot more, looking at, at old versions, it feels a lot more like they put a filter over things. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think they brightened the colors in, like, the saturation a bit Yeah, in the in the remaster. But I do want to talk about aesthetics because I think it. I really like it a lot of the time in this game. Um, it, it, like, one of my other favorite Zelda games is The Wind Waker, which is the brightest and most colorful of Zelda games. Mm-hmm. And to to contrast the two of them, I think, is, a, is one of the strengths of the series. Like, they all look very different from each other uh, whenever it is, like, you know, feasible for them to do so. Yeah. And, uh... It is like, it is night and day, almost like literally in that case, but the the Twilight Realm stuff fits a lot better in this game than I think the Dark World type things that they do in a lot of Zelda games um, do, and it is a lot because of this art style, and then a lot just because like they put so much fucking effort into making it look as eerie and and like imposing as it does yeah i agree i think it's like one of the biggest strengths of the game um like i i we i've mentioned this before on the podcast i'm kind of a wishy-washy adult Uh i'm hesitant to declare things as like the best thing ever or like amazing you know as an adult because i'm always like oh i don't know Uh um but i think the visual design of like the twilight realm is kind of brilliant yeah. Um yeah, it has like this pseudo like digital look to it. Like it's got these very like kind of square but squiggly, almost like circuit boardy kind of style looking uh patterns. Um like the effect when you warp mm-hmm. where everything like pixelates. And it's got also has a great sound design too. Um like the the bird and Oh, it's always a bird. When they honk. Yep. It's so cool. You know, you got, like, the Twilight skybox and the little particle effects. Um, it's just a real shame if they don't do more with it. Like, yeah. it looks so cool. And I think Zant, the, like, the main bad guy for most of the game, mm-hmm. is a great design. Yep. Really cool helmet. Like, probably the closest thing to, like, capturing the feeling of menace of, like, Darth Vader, I think, to anything. It was, like, the first comparison I go to. Because you've got this imposing costume. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, there's the scene at the Spirit Spring or whatever at Lake Hylia where he comes in and he, like, almost kills Midna. Yeah. He's, like, so calm and, like, badass, you know? It's, like, it's like really menacing. And I'm, like, it's so good. Yeah. Like, they do, like, they do such a good job with it. Yeah, it's just a shame they don't do more. Yeah, and one... I'm mad that you took the birds from me because <laughs> I had that was like you, know, it's... you put the sound effect in right, the, the sound in the in. episode. 
Wasn't that a cool sound effect? Yeah, it's really cool. I love that sound effect. Like, it has stuck with me for fucking 16 years in a way that I am surprised by. But that's not the main point. (laughs) One of the criticisms that I hear about this game, oftentimes, is about the visuals and, and about the the Twilight Realm and Xant and stuff in general. People don't like Xant as a villain. We'll talk about that a little bit well, more Well, there's later. a reason why. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> but people just like, I don't know. I think that and this game isn't like super divisive. I think most people do like it. I think there was a time. Mm. I think there was a time where it was a divisive and I think history has fallen more favorably toward it as time has gone on. I think that's probably true. I, I think it was debated a lot maybe like 10 or so years ago. That would make sense, yeah. Like around the time when everyone was debating Zelda. Yeah, like Skyward, Skyward Sword, Sword came yeah. out. Yeah. Around that time. <laughs> but uh, I, I think this ends up working just spectacularly well and I, I really enjoyed all of the little visual touches. Like I, I think you calling out the the sort of like blocky pixelated look to a lot of the stuff in the Twilight Realm is a big, that's like one of the big motifs of it. Yeah. And I think um, I have mixed feelings about, cause they've, they've seemed to really like this concept of the ancient technology thing yeah. in Zelda. They've done it in every game since this. Um, uh, cause like in Skyward Sword, you have like the ancient Chica robots, yeah. time shift stones, <laughs> And in Breath of the Wild has like the guardians and like the Sheikah slate and the you know the the shrines in general have like a weird like matrix you know ruined thing going on. They like to do the thing with like the synthesizers come in and the soundtrack and stuff to yeah. emphasize the sort of more otherworldliness of yeah. it. Yeah, and I think that's just a hard aesthetic to pull off, like fantasy with technology in it. And I think this is the place it's handled the best. Because it makes the Twilight Realm and like the monsters and the um, the the denizens when you finally go there towards yeah. the end of the game feel like alien and like you said eerie like it feels very uh, otherworldly in a way that I just think it like I think that's what's brilliant about it like it doesn't just look oh it's digital like it, it becomes its own aesthetic yeah. that like really works. And uh, I will the one part I'll disagree with you, which is kind of disagreeing with myself, uh-huh. uh, is that after you transform the denizens of the twilight, the twilight, yeah, back, they just into, kind of like lumpies, yeah, like um, Ori, yeah, they kind of look like Ori. They're the, pretty cute. The big fat oh mom, yeah. mom and Ori, yeah, they just kind of have like a blobby, like something from a Ghibli movie. Yeah, that's a good, I think, a good call. Yeah, if you took a Ghibli movie cell and dropped it in the mud (laughs) (laughs) that's that's about what that scene would look like Uh uh-huh i'm not sure what would be the most cohesive thing to go to from here yeah same (laughs) (laughs) because i am tempted to talk a little bit more about the beginning and how it introduces sort of like mechanics yeah sure to you yeah go ahead and uh, like as a someone who hasn't played this game since it came out like i'm curious what you think of the beginning of the game because when I was replaying it, I was like, oh, Chad's going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so slow-paced at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's an undeniable flaw of the game is, like, how slow the beginning is. So I was curious what your thoughts were playing through it. Yeah. I mean, the the benefit to this podcast uh-huh. 
or the benefit for this podcast is that I have played the game before and just knew what I was getting into. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, but having not played it in a long time, it is shockingly long, like, how much it is. And, like, I'm not, like, skipping cutscenes because I need to be able to talk about them uh-huh. uh, in, in the instance that they come up. We probably won't talk a whole lot about some of those opening cutscenes because they're really inconsequential in mm-hmm. a way that is kind of disappointing <laughs> and that we've also kind of already talked about in the case of like the kids just vanishing off the face Yeah, of the I mentioned planet. the one cool one where they attack the village. Yeah, which is great. But there's, uh, there's two things that got me through it. One, how funny it was to keep getting so close to the forest temple without being able to go into it. <laughs> the tension. <laughs> yes. It was always there, you know? I always thought I was almost at the end, and then when I finally got there, it was all the sweeter. Uh, and then two was Goat in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that the little goat mini game has this, like, real goofy, like, arcadey big font. It felt like playing uh, Super Monkey Ball. It had, like, a voiceover and shit. I don't know if it did, but it did in my head. It does feel very Sega. Yeah. And I found that to be really amusing and funny, and so I kind of I persevered through the beginning. Um, I find it very questionable the things that they choose to try and teach the player from the beginning, though, because you get the sword tutorial in the most cut and dry, boring tutorial <laughs> way imaginable, where they're just like, "Do the attack where you press the B button," and I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> And I realized in my head, I know that that's there because the original game was coming out on the Wii and they needed to explain how the Wii motion controller yeah. worked to people because it's a new technology for most. Uh, but when you play it in the HD version, you just have kids getting really excited about you pressing one button. Yeah. Uh, and it feels really awkward and, and odd to, to see. Um, but then they do like, they teach you the goat grab. Move, <laughs> which gets used like once ever again. You use it to stop the Gorons. Yeah, uh, and then you mostly just kind of run. And they teach you horse controls. I don't use the horse in Zelda games. Uh huh. So that was that. I mean, sure, maybe you do need to know those things. And then there's a goat mini game. And then that's pretty much everything. And then they just take you on on uh, Midna and Wolf Link's wild ride for about an hour. Um, and we, we can talk about the, the like, Wolf Link introduction parts if you want to, but, uh, yeah, that's my impression of, of the beginning of the game, coming back to it, is just, like, it feels like other Zelda games do their tutorializing in a much more natural way, and I do wonder how much of it was motion controls making them feel like they needed to really lay into it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's really weird, um, yeah, like, I, I think I was saying, uh, earlier, it's like, they set up all this stuff in the village, like, the goats really stand out, like, it's gonna be a thing. Yep. And then it's not. Yeah, 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 you use it to throw the Gorons later, uh, so it does do something. It just, it feels like they they were torn in a bunch of different directions mm-hmm. at the begin at beginning of development. Yeah, like, it's, it's so choppy. Um, yeah, like what they choose to focus on. Um, yeah, like, yeah, like the, the tutorializing with the weapons and stuff definitely stands out. Um, and yeah, it's just all stuff that like should just be skippable. Um, it's one of the things that like made me think, um, they should really 
embrace difficulty modes in Zelda. I know they usually do a hero mode, um, which in most games, if I'm not mistaken, uh, just makes enemies deal more damage and like grass and pots don't drop hearts. Yeah. Which I think is very lame. And I almost never choose to do hero mode because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I think like doing, uh, I, I think it would add a lot more to development time, but like having a hard mode, I think would benefit Zelda a lot. Um, because yeah, like that handholdy stuff, like it, it just solves their problems. Even if it just like cut out, like, the beginner stuff. I think it would make a lot of people a lot happier. Yeah, because choosing hard mode allows you to do two things. One being designed for the hard mode, which allows you to do a lot more interesting stuff, um, and then dial it back for the easy mode. Mm-hmm. And then also, yeah, allows you to say, because if the, if the player elects to take the hard mode version of the game, most likely they're familiar with the game. Not a ton of people go into something that they know nothing about and say, give me the hardest version, please, daddy. Uh-huh. Uh, and <laughs> so I do like sort of that idea uh, of doing it, but Nintendo yeah. also famously doesn't really do that. Yeah. And, and like the, the games in general, usually I don't think are too easy, but like, I feel like the beginnings, especially in this era anyway, yeah. um, they they feel like they just assume the player has never played a game before. Right. Like it's it's so dumbed down at the beginning that it it, it can be frustrating. And this is probably the worst perpetrator. <laughs> Possibly. It like if you listen to our award winning episode that we definitely did do on Mario sixty four, uh, you see like you take a game like that that it was literally essentially new technology to anybody looking at it. The same way that motion controls are, but even worse, because it's new technology to your brain, not just your hands. And so, and they don't sit there and tell you, you know, like, oh, go use the left stick to move and also look out for the curvature (laughs) of the level or whatever. Uh, Like this game does with every single thing you can do with the Wii Remote. Uh, they let just let you do it, and you figure it out because you can make patterns. Yeah, I think, and this is pure speculation, uh, it's the product of the GameCube, I think, on Nintendo. That was the first console generation where they weren't on top. Yeah. And I, I feel like they've been way more conscious of like their financial standings ever since. Like, that's, like, the Wii era is the era where they, like, made a bunch of decisions to, like broaden their audience as much as they could and like to make their games accessible um a lot of people complained about that like with the (laughs) wii and the wii u yeah and like they're only yeah now kind of correcting that yeah and i'll still complain about it to some extent because they've made some games that are incredible that you have to coast through a ton of of simple stuff before you get to anything that i actually like feels like it's making the use of the the mechanics. Yeah. I think we found this in Kirby and in, like, Luigi's Mansion and all kinds of... A a very recent Odyssey. Yeah. Like, lots of very recent games. All very good, but all have a very slow start to get to where they they need to be. This is more explicitly tutorializing, though, which is... Can be okay, but is done very heavy-handed here. Yeah. So, I guess, what do you think of Wolf Link? Uh... 
I don't know what people think about Wolf Link as a thing. Mm-hmm. It's like the icon. It's like if you took Werewolf Sonic out of uh, <laughs> that one Sonic game where he was a werewolf. I think it's Sonic Unleashed. Sonic Unleashed. Or something? I don't know. Yeah, it's like if you took the Werewolf Sonic out of Sonic Unleashed. You can't separate uh, <laughs> it's such an iconic part of this game. Um, I don't really like Wolf Link that much. <laughs> I find it... I find it awkward to control Wolf Link, and I feel like the things that it adds are not substantial enough. I think that I wish there were more things that only Wolf Link could do, because most of the time I was not thinking about using it as an option, like when you get the ability to transform. Mm -hmm. Uh, The introduction to Wolf Link is much worse. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because you're just tasked with sort of like combing an area that you've already been to, to find the little, the light bugs. Yeah. Or the dark bugs with the light tears. Uh, (laughs) And it is, it's very tedious. They, Nintendo themselves even cut some out. Yeah. (laughs) uh, For the HD release. And so, I don't know. I'm very middling on it. I I don't know. I, we'll, I'm sure that we'll get to it in, like, a more large-scale thing, but I, that would be my initial impressions on Wolf Link. Yeah, I, I think that's the impressions of most people. Um, it, it just feels like it's so underutilized. Um, I, I said earlier, like, the slow pace at the beginning of the game is one of its biggest flaws, and I think the underdevelopment of Wolf Link is its other. Okay. Um, in my opinion, um, yeah, it just... There's, like, the the only temple that really feels like it takes advantage of it is the desert one, uh, where you actually have to, like, track the pose souls through the temple. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, just stuff like that, like, um, like being able to use the wolf sense, it's kind of like having the lens of truth from the beginning of the game, but they never really do anything with it. Like, they could hide, like, have secret walls, you know, that aren't really there, that you could only see with Wolf Link. Yeah, like, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, once you get the ability to switch back and forth, like, you almost never, you forget about Wolf Link all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it. I don't think he's, like, awkward to control, but I do think, like, combat feels stiff with Wolf Link, which is unfortunate. Yeah, he just doesn't have any utility, I think. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things in there that I think could be improved. I agree, like, making it act more like the Lens of Truth is probably a good idea. Yeah. Because the problem with detective mode in most games is that you're... There's, like, very little incentive to ever turn it off. You always just want to, like, have it on because you know the game's trying to fucking trick you and hide (laughs) stuff. And so you just put up with whatever downside there is uh, to it. So, like, you never want to go too hard with it. My biggest problem with Wolf Sense is that, like, a lot of times they, like, track this scent. I mean, not this isn't a problem with the scent. <laughs> uh-huh. The sense. Uh, it's just a problem with the scent part of the sense. Uh-huh. They'll be like, track the scent, and it's like, if, they, if it just wasn't there, I still would have gone to the same place, <laughs> because their level design is still Zelda good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't need a line showing me where it was, which I yeah. guess is kind of the same problem people have with the dowsing in, in Skyward Sword. Sure. But, yeah. 
It's weird. And, like, if Wolf Link wasn't, like, a menu option that you had to select, if it was something that you could, like, click a stick or something and transform, it could have, like, potential combat use, do a few combo lines (laughs) or some shit. Yeah, uh, in the way the, it is, just there's no incentive. Yeah, playing with the gamepad, uh, I know you played with the controller. Like, you can just hit, like, a button to swap, like, uh, immediately, which makes it a lot more, like, useful. That sounds great, actually. Yeah. yeah. My gamepad suffered the wrath of a heavy <laughs> object falling on it. Yeah, you don't have to talk to Midna to change mm. with the gamepad. Is there also a button to warp? Uh, no, I think you had to talk to her for no, that. Okay, I was, was going say, that would have cut down the amount of time I spent on this game by, like, hours. You should just be able to go to the map. <laughs> yeah. Um, at least in, with the gamepad, like, that would have made sense. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, it would A be nice, nice convenience. But, yeah, I think, I think Wolf Link is, like, 50% of the way to a good idea, and just doesn't make it in, in most aspects, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually think that, like, the whole bug collecting thing is kind of an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's dumb that they repeat the exact same thing two times. Um, but like, I think it's it's really interesting to have to, like, find different ways into buildings and, like, have to interact with the world in a different way. Like, you're yeah. stuck as the wolf, which adds, like, an interesting, like, kind of tension to it. Um, like, I think you could have done more with that, like, people being more, like, aggressive towards you, or, like, maybe, like, attacking you and stuff. Yeah. I I think there's, like, an interesting idea there, but, like, they just, you know, as I said, repeat it twice. And then the third one is a real big fuck you, because it's, like, so long. Yeah. It's such a big area. And you gotta do a weird flying minigame. Yeah. Which, honestly, was my favorite part of all three of them, because <laughs> it was not just walking around digging holes. I mean, I guess, like, the... The benefit of it, because like I don't hate collecting the light things as an idea. It's like ice cream. I yeah. like ice cream. I don't want to eat a gallon of ice cream <laughs> th- three times and each gallon all at once. It's just too much to do, and it's like it's like a cognitive overload because it's more of a it's not a combat thing, nor is it really exploration because they're all marked on the map. It's puzzle solving. Mm -hmm. And so you puzzle solve as Wolf Link and your eyes go fucking cloudy (laughs) because you're looking at this like inverted color scheme for most of the time. And then you immediately pop out as Link and go into a a dungeon and you do more puzzle solving in the dungeon. Mm -hmm. And it's like, sure, it's it's not like the Forest Temple's puzzle solving really fucking racked my brain. But at the same time, it just felt like I was doing a lot of the same stuff for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though my character literally changed it, it, their ambulatory <laughs> method, <laughs> they're now walking on two legs, uh, it still felt too samey when it's like all mashed together like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, it it would have been nice to have like each area have like a, a unique way to purify it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it just seems like such a weird thing. Like, we're really going to do this again? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it reeks of we didn't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. They had the concept of Wolf Link. Yeah. Because that's always the Zelda thing, right? It's like, in since A Link to the Past, every Zelda game has had, like, a two a duality. Uh, 
I don't know what it would have been in uh, the Majora's Mask, but like, you know, everybody, I guess. Past and future. Yeah, it could be past and future, but that's also kind of, that's a Ocarina of Time thing. Uh, And so they were like, ah, the Wolf Link thing. It's like in the Wolf form is from the Twilight Realm. So now they've got two. If they had cut it, nobody would have thought like there was something missing. Yeah. And I think that's probably a bad sign. It is like an a part of the iconography of the game. I'm not that's definitely true. Yeah. But I don't know if if the game would like maybe Midna takes that place like in the in a situation where they cut the wolfling stuff. Yeah. Um you remember when you had to grab Ganon as a dog once for no reason? Uh, yeah, I remember that. What? That was weird. <laughs> that was another great example of them just shoehorning the dog into stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I feel like if you could, if you wanted to tackle it from like, what could you do different? Like, I think don't have you stuck as the wolf form. Like, I think structure the first three dungeons to introduce new wolf link abilities and like Mm. let you like change back and forth between the forms and have the forms actually like do more significant stuff like make it like take the place of a couple of items that's good thinking because the first item in this game that you get the uh slingshot is a slingshot and then the second item you get is a boomerang and then the third item you get is a bow so you li- you go and then the iron boots and then the iron boots yeah but you get three ranged options right in a row or right in a close proximity close to enough each other. Yeah. yeah that they're and they all just essentially take the place of each other like you never you need to use the boomerang for like a couple of of wind related puzzles yeah some heart pieces yeah Gale boomerang is another one that I'm upset about. <laughs> Because uh, it's like one of the coolest items in the game. It is pretty cool, and they absolutely dumped on it. <laughs> but we'll talk about the items in a bit. You uh, see, so you have you you get all three of these like ranged options right in a row. There's no reason that they couldn't have just like dumped one and given you a cool wolf link thing to do in the middle of that, mm-hmm. uh, because you essentially still have the functionality. Like, you can still hit far-off stuff with the slingshot without having the bow for a while. Uh, So it's not really a huge deal. I don't know. I think, yeah, I agree. I think just dump a few items, put them into Wolf Link's kit in some way. Also, don't frame Wolf Link as, like, a punishment. It's like a curse. Yeah, I gotta get out of this body. It's like, well, you're never gonna want to go back into it. Mm -hmm. They do it at the end of the game, too, when you're in the Twilight Realm. It's a punishment for failure. You warp into the wolf. So, yeah, I, 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 I feel like they should have had the balls <laughs> for the Twilight Realm Temple to be all as Wolf Link. Oh, yeah. Like, a, an all Wolf Link uh, temple seems like something they should have done. That or... And if they had more abilities, that would have been a better thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's the reason it didn't happen, because they still wanted to Because they couldn't do it. Yeah. Because it would be boring. <laughs> uh, neither of us played the All Wolf Link Challenge Dungeon, by the way. Nope. I legitimately forgot it was a thing until I was, like, almost done. I was like, well, nah. Nah. <laughs> uh, so that's Wolf Link. Do you know, let's talk about. Because... I do like that he has the 
the shackle on his wrist the whole time from the beginning of the game. I agree. This is an aesthetic touch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the design of Wolf Link Yeah, he looks well. cool. He looks very cool. It's like a good... Because they, they describe him not as a wolf, but as like, like a, a sacred beast. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he has like this intricate fur pattern makes a yeah, lot Yeah, it almost reminds me of like dreadlocks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, like a little mane. Yeah, plus with Midna on the back kind of adds to the that whole thing. Yeah. I was going to open this podcast and then thought better of it with uh, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess is Nintendo's first entry into the Omegaverse. <laughs> um, because of the... There's like a, a Midna Wolf Link romance sort of angle that's happening. I, I actually, like, I, I don't know if this is the right time to talk about Midna, but like... I think she's such a great character mm-hmm. and I, she's flirty with him when he's a human too. And oh, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think that's a fun part of her character that she still acts like that towards him when he is a wolf. Like, I, I just think that's like an interesting uh, aspect of her. Yeah. And the fact that like she herself is like transformed. Yeah. You're right. We should talk about Midna. Yeah, Mid- we'll unpack Midna later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what we should talk about, since we were sort of on the topic, is the items in this game. And mostly because it's burning. Oh, yeah. It's a burning thing for me. Absolutely. That I think that the spinner, the dual claw shot, Uh and uh, the ball and chain get mad hate. (laughs) And it's not the item's fault in any of those cases. Mm -hmm. I think that the unique items in twilight princess are maybe like taken holistically with yeah. weapons that are unique in each game maybe my favorite of all of them yeah no i don't know if people hate on them so much is that they just complain that they're like underutilized yeah. um which they're correct about like i think this game does a really good job of continuing to use the classics like yeah. you use the bow a ton you use um the hook shot a lot you use the bombs, mm-hmm. um, you know. Use the, the iron boots. The iron boots, yeah. The classic ones get used well, but like the latter game stuff, uh, definitely suffers. Yeah, and, and I agree with the ones you called out. Like um, the ball and chain is so satisfying to use, mm-hmm. and the spinner is maybe the most unique item they've ever had. I think you're correct in calling that out. Hashtag bring back the spinner. Like, try it at least one more time. We need the spinner at least one more time. Um, Yeah, and, like, the Dominion rod is cool, but it's, like, you know. Also, I think it was in a 2D Zelda game as well. Well, they had, uh, it was, like, the command melody from Wind Waker. Also But you you, you just, (laughs) instead of having to do a (laughs) cutscene. Which means better. Which means better, yes. Yeah. yeah, I know, I agree. Like the, the unique items are all pretty cool, and they do bring back the dual claw shots in Skyward Sword, and they just give them both to you at the same time. They don't give you oh, one damn. and then upgrade it later. Um, so I guess they agreed on that front. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I think, yeah, I think it's like, it feels like a half and half. Like, I think they do a good job with the classics, and then the new things are very cool. But you use them, like, five times. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, like, Spinner, for me, is the worst, is, the, is like, the is the the most offensive that they did not come up with a good use for it, because... Yeah, it's so cool. It's very cool, and it could just, it could be upgraded horse, right? <laughs> like, it's a better <laughs> to just movement get around. option. Yeah, because you can just get on it and move if they just 
didn't make it immediately lose all momentum unless you were attached to a track. Like I I think I like that that it it doesn't just go because like I feel like it feels like a balancing thing. Like if you could just write because it does damage. It has a hitbox. Yeah. If you could just ride it around, you could just like kill enemies with it. Probably. I mean, effortlessly. the horse does. I guess. I just I feel like like it's the it's like factored in how like the the items designed in the dungeon in the yeah. desert temple that you can't just ride it infinitely. I I think the the missed opportunity it's just like you could use it in like the preceding like two or three dungeons to like just get around. Like I it's it's not hard to imagine like uh this bridge is gone but there's like a spinner track on it so you can get across and you know, like, it's not hard to imagine them using it like, a, oh, parts of the spiral staircase are gone, so you have to spin her up it, you yeah. know, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot more interesting to do than to climb vines or yeah. climb a ladder. Like, you know? there's um there's a piece of heart, I think, the south of Clock Town, or Clock Town, Jesus. It's, of, <laughs> it's uh, very south of Clock Of <laughs> Castle Town. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to hook shot up to a thing, there's a spinner track, and then you have to, like, do the jump. Yeah. Off to like a platform to open a chest. And even just that little thing is like, oh, that's cool. Like you had to ride the track and jump off it at the specific time to like land on a spot. You could do that. Lots of puzzle stuff with yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, there was a one. I didn't. So I didn't do much of a complete a completion of this game. Yeah. Uh, I ended up. I got. I mean, it's long. It's, it's a, a long, long game. Uh, some might argue. I might argue. Too long. But we'll get to that, uh-huh. um, which is like the fifteenth thing that we've that we'll get to. So just buckle up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I found a piece of heart that was like a spinner track related piece of heart, and yeah, it was a super fun time. Is it the one to, in Hyrule Field where you like go back and forth yeah. between the two? Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, it's it is one of like the t- three. It exists. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it doesn't involve a spinner track because it's only a couple. Uh-huh. Uh, I think spinner's great. Spinner's very cool. Uh, I don't like that they relegated it to be like a door opener later in the game. I actually thought that was kind of cool. It's a like cool Like a different idea. usage of the item. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the, the fact that that's the only other appearance it makes. Yeah. It makes me long for the days when the spinner did anything else oh yeah and like in the boss fight like how you you had to like plunk it in the middle mm-hmm. and then like raise the tower up it's like a cool set piece yeah very good that boss not so good but we'll get we'll, sure yeah. sure we're we're coming up on a half here and then it's gonna be a big yeah we'll get into more specifics yeah uh i okay so double claw shot i think is the thing that most deserves the ire uh because it well, is it's like last temple syndrome. Yeah, it's like it's it's like funny almost when you get it because you're like, like, oh, what new and crazy Zelda item am I, I going to get in the last dungeon? <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Second claw shot, and it's used exactly the way that you would expect it to. Yeah, your Spider Man. Yeah, and anything that's designed around using the double claw shot instantly becomes three times more tedious. <laughs> I don't know how they turned twice into three times when they managed to do it. Uh, but Ball and Chain, great. <laughs> Ball and Chain has the is the Megaton Hammer. Yeah, it's just bet better hammer. But fixed, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We talk in the episode that we did on uh, 
on Ocarina of Time about how the Megaton Hammer is a weird thing because it's supposed to be... It does, like, double the damage on the Master Sword. But it's so short. Yeah, it's real short, and you carry it around like it weighs nothing. In Twilight Princess, Link fucking ambles around <laughs> like somebody who's about to give birth to a piece of construction equipment, uh-huh. uh, which is what he is. Uh, and then you swing it all around, and he's in this like wide stance yeah. as he does it, and then like tosses it in. It's fucking barbaric. I yeah, love it's it. awesome, yeah. Uh, and it does the same shit. <laughs> it does a lot of damage, Yeah, and it breaks uh, ice and, and some rocks. Yeah. Fantastic. All it needs to do, <laughs> and it's a little bit like weightier that's all we needed and it it feels extremely good and i like it a lot oh yeah it's great also the gale boomerang (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's in super smash brothers yeah it is a kind of an iconic thing from the game that doesn't get used very much yeah it sucks because it's it is like it's a good idea of taking the boomerang, which is a weapon that gets outclassed very quickly in all other Zelda games. And give it a unique thing. And give it something to do. And, like, in their defense, they do. It probably gets the most use out of any item on this list of four items. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it still, I feel like, could be used. It's something that I wish I had in the back of my mind more often. Like, I was thinking, like, oh, it, could I use wind here? Yeah. But it, it never really came up. Or I skipped the stuff where it did come up, because I know that you can, like, use it to grab stuff off yeah. the Yeah, you can shit. use it to grab, like, bugs mm. like um, for Agatha. And, like, uh, you could also use the claw shot there for that. Uh, there's the one, I don't know if you went to the fishing hole, because I find the fishing hole very easy to miss. Yeah, I didn't. I, I don't think it. I went there my first playthrough of the game, and the second time I was like, oh, my God, what is this? Um but there's a piece of heart that's, like, up on a thing, like on a, like a rock. And I was like, oh, do I have to use the boomerang? But you actually had to use, get the, use the fishing rod to get it, which I think is fun. Um, See, you were thinking about the boomerang. I was. Because you knew. Because I know cool. there's, like, a piece of heart, and I think the first section of Hyrule Field is just, like, in a tree that you can use the boomerang to get. Um, so that if you if you see that, if you happen to notice it, uh, I th- I think that was always a thing that like lodged boomerang in my brain. It's like a thing I could I could use. That makes sense. That uh, I swear to God, we'll get to that break in in a little bit. <laughs> in, in just in a few brief moments. In a, f- a few brief moments. But I did note one of the the first things that I noticed uh, is that it takes five pieces of heart now to create a heart container, and the reason for this. Presumably, so that they could just fucking stuff more uh, little puzzles and hidden secrets and minigames all over the place. And what it did to me was make me go like, I feel like I'm being ripped off. <laughs> I, I got four additional hearts, so I found 20 pieces of heart. Mm-hmm. I think game. I might have gotten 20 or 25. Okay. I don't remember. Uh, it was like somewhere around there. And I found a lot of them in dungeons, which is actually cool. I like yeah. that as a thing. Uh, because they're pieces of heart that you can guarantee the player at least has like a good chance of finding. Um, but, yeah, this game has so much going on in, on the periphery that is, like the fishing hole, very easy to miss. Uh, and two, maybe not as welcome as the <laughs> mini games and some of the other titles, in my opinion, anyway. Mm-hmm. 
any thoughts? So on? I thought you were going to say, and we'll talk about that after the oh, break. Oh, okay, and we will talk about that <laughs> after, after the, the break. break. I, I thought that's what you were building to, like, oh, 100%. No. Nope, not at all, <laughs> but we'll do it. Welcome back. Uh, so, do you want to talk about those mini games? Yeah, let's talk about the. So you seem to have opinions on them. Uh, I have some opinions. Okay. So, it's less necessarily about the mini games and more just about the like. It's more about just the vast number of things that are in this game that I remember doing when I was a child. And don't remember doing... A.K.A. teenager. A teenager. A, a teen child. Uh-huh. And a man baby. Do, <laughs> and don't remember doing now as a man baby. Uh-huh. Uh, because it seems like... Yeah, you mentioned the fishing hole. I knew it existed, but I did forget where it was. I'm sad that you didn't go there, because uh-huh. it's it's big... My own personal big inspiration for our hypothetical game that mm. we'll never make. Okay. Because I feel like the tutorialization of it, you go out on the boat with the fishing hole girl whose name is like Hilda or something. Sure. It's not that. That's from Link Between Worlds. But it's like a short name like that. But anyway, she goes out on the boat with you and it's like this beautiful location. Like it's like needlessly pretty. Um, (laughs) And it just feels like this romantic fantasy of like one of the developers. And like that was my idea. Is what I brought to the table. Okay. <laughs> for the uh, uh, our hypothetical game that we'll not make. Yeah. Which is a fishing dating sim game. Yeah, for everyone wondering. <laughs> yeah, I I just didn't I didn't find it. I know that I did it when I played it yeah, originally. It's right next to the river rafting thing, the woman with the afro. Yeah. It's like there's like a door. Oh. Like right next to it. That's easy to miss. Oh, and is it the door? Like, if, when you approach it the first time when you're a wolf, yeah. it's on the right side. There's, like, a warp point right in front of it. Like okay, you approach yeah. it, and, like, the things come down. Yeah. All right. So I do know this yeah. area, but I didn't go in the door. I thought yeah. I went in the door, you get but a I bottle think I went there. a different door. You can catch it with I, the fishing rod. I ended up with two bottles, so I missed a, a fourth bottle as well. Yeah, I, got, I only got three. I don't remember where the fourth one is, or I don't know if I ever knew. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that was the, the fishing minigame. The boat, I think the boat becomes a minigame, right? Yeah, you can raft down. Yeah, there's... She uh, gives you an extra bomb bag, too. The yeah. woman at the rafting place. Yeah, she gives you one the first time that you're there. Yeah. But I think there, I think that after you do that, you can, like, go down and do, like, a weird rupee collecting game. Yeah, yeah, I think there's multiple versions of it. Yeah. So I did but the I don't initial remember. one where you just yeah. blow up the, the rocks. Uh, I did not go back this playthrough either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you also have the best minigame, which is riding a cuckoo onto a, a moving platform. Oh, yeah. That one's fun uh, a little bit. I didn't I like actually it. beat it, but, you know. My favorite thing is I got to the second. I didn't get to the spinny one. Right. Um, but it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> uh, you get the soul and the piece of heart. Uh, I don't know what's on the very top one. I don't remember. I would have assumed that the very top one is the piece of heart. No, no. The second, the non-rotating one is a piece of heart. Oh, damn. Maybe there's another piece of heart. I don't know. 
Um, maybe I, that's the fourth bottle. Yeah, maybe. Could be. Um, but I noticed, I don't know if I knew this before, but like it, when you're flying out, it, when you're like going back, if you look back towards the house that you jump off from, there's yeah. like a little cliff underneath where there is like a postal in one of those places where like uh, Wolf Link can like crawl into the ground and it's a little underground cave. Ah, okay. I no, I did not. Yeah, I thought that was fun. That's neat. Um, as you just alluded to, there are postals. Yep. In the game, postals are back. This is one of my favorite things. Uh, postals are back, baby. Well, th- there's like fucking sixty of them, which is ludicrous. Yeah. I think I only got like forty. But um, I, I love instead. Oh well. <laughs> Um, instead of the, that's one thing they do with the wolf form. You have to do wolf form to fight them. Yeah. Um, uh, instead of the usual Skullchilla thing, they combine Skullchillas and Postals in this one. I just think the character who's like turned to gold, who's Giovanni. in this, yeah, who's in this secret house in Castletown is like weird and cool and creepy and memorable. Yes. I do love. And him. it has that eighties movie vibes to me. Yeah. He almost has like a Jim Henson puppet look. <laughs> it almost kind of reminds me of the Muppet Christmas Carol, like the giant like Ghost of Christmas Present puppet. Oh yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bit. I don't know why, but anyway, there's a to make a reference that that assuredly no one will get. Uh, <laughs> there's a uh, we just watched. You introduced me to to give proper credit uh-huh. uh, to the anime Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> oh. And I, the treasure room. Yeah. You get there and, like, all the treasure is just, like, laid out and it is immobile gold. Yeah. Texture. And you go through a treasure chest to get into the series. Oh, yeah. That is exactly like that. It's so good. Uh, so, sidebar. Yeah. There's this Japanese animated Jack and the Beanstalk movie from, like, the 70s. Uh, look it up. It's... I think the whole thing is watchable on YouTube. It is goofy and fun to get drunk and watch. Yes. Or just fascinating if you don't drink or anything either. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah, it's just a good time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I also recommend it. Yeah, so unsidebar. Yeah. Uh, so my greater point here is that there, oh, the, there's also the Star minigames. Oh, like the claw shot thing? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Those are the those are the mini games that I remember. There's mm-hmm. probably more. Yeah, uh, like there's probably at least one more, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, and all of them are. I'm like I'm mixed on this by a lot. One, I definitely didn't do like any of them. Uh, so take this with a grain of salt because I I skipped the majority of this content, um, and so I'm working off memory that's very old. I like that they are more distributed around the world. There's a lot of different places that have different minigames uh, and things to do. Snowboarding. Oh, and the snowboarding. Yeah. That's more like a difference in kind, unless you can, like, go back and... You can. Fuck. There's, like, time trials and stuff. I didn't know. Yeah. Dang. Well, there it is. Snowboarding. Yep. Kids, too. Uh, (laughs) There's a... But I do like that that distribution. Actually, the snowboarding makes it even better because now you got the the snow snow ass peaks peak, involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I compare it in my mind to uh, Ocarina of Time, which I think everybody does uh, with this game, and how all the mini games and that are just in Castletown. Yeah, and they're just they have independent shops that you go to and that host the mini games. 
I I do miss some of the little like the stupider ones, like the bomb chew bowling and stuff. Uh-huh. Like I found that stuff to be really amusing. As far as I know, there isn't like a shooting gallery in this game. Uh, and I don't think so. I think like the rafting or the boating game is supposed to take the place of that. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, but other than that, I do like the the increased complexity and the fact that they aren't just all in one central location makes them a lot more like. I'm way more likely to engage in them if I feel like if I leave, it'll be like a hassle to come back and do it again. Uh, and I mostly didn't do them this time for time reasons. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I think they none of them except for maybe the snowboarding uh, for me stand out as particularly fun. But I I, I like that there's so much. Um, I do. I think I agree with your statement um, that you alluded to that uh, there's a little too much in this game. Uh, which we will continue to talk about. But um, I, I do like that there's... I, in a way, I do like that there's so much to do. Um, I think if you were, like, a completionist, it might drive you crazy a little. Yeah. But, like, if you're not, it's just, like, there's so much to do, and you can just kind of do it whenever you feel like. I, I, I find that really enjoyable about it. Yeah. Like, it feels like there's always some little nook or cranny of the world you can go to and do a thing. We made reference on the on the Ocarina of Time episode that, like, Ocarina of Time is, like, the one game that you got for the summer. This game feels like it really... It would would hit that mark. Yeah, like, when... I'm actually kind of surprised I didn't bring this up towards the beginning, but, like, I got this when it came out. I played it when I was 14. It was my first full Zelda game that I played. Um, And, like, I just remember, like it just kind of, like, blowing my mind at the time. It felt like it gave me something I never knew that, like, I wanted. It felt, like, so big. Uh, and, it, I mean, it's still, like, a big game today. But, like, at the time, it just felt like this huge, like, epic game, uh, like this huge action-adventure thing that, like, it felt, like, unprecedented to me at the time in, in terms of, like, stuff that I had played. Um, and, yeah, like, it playing it today definitely... It still feels pretty big. It's just like the context is different. Like we, we yeah. you get more stuff like this, um, so it doesn't stand out as like impressive. Um, but I just remember it like kind of blowing my mind at the time. Mm. See, I had a similar experience uh, as we've also talked about on the podcast in a much worse format um, <laughs> with Wind Waker. That was my thing. Yeah, like, and I didn't play Wind Waker. Yeah, yet so so it, it had been like. For me, it wasn't that long ago, and Wind Waker is like, it's it's interesting to compare the two because they came out immediately, like one after preceding each other, yeah, (laughs) and they are probably the most different three D Zelda games. It's the biggest between two titles, like the biggest switch because. Uh, like, this game doesn't feel huge when you compare it to Wind Waker, but it is much, much denser. Uh, it, like, Wind Waker has a lot to do, but most of it is not nearly as substantial as the stuff that's in Twilight Princess. Yeah, and I, I think, like, Wind Waker feels bigger mostly because of, like, the illusion that the Great Seat creates. Yeah. I will say I found I was way less, I was having way less fun uh, walking across Hyrule Field because it was not playing the Great Sea theme. Sure. But otherwise, I think I would prefer doing that. <laughs> I'm not sure. I didn't actually do a lot of it. I think in coming from 
Ocarina. Mm-hmm. This game requires you to do a lot less just world traversal. You go somewhere once, and then you don't have to, like, make the trip back ever, uh, which I like. But I can understand <laughs> how it could be, like, maybe a little bit immersion-breaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's kind of where the, all the Twilight stuff comes in. Because it does feel like it's an ordeal once you get the ability to warp. Like, they, they'll start, like, like they take away the Bridge of Elden. And you don't actually have to go get it, as far as I know, like, ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't until, like, the last five <laughs> hours of the game. It could just sit in the fucking desert for all I care. Uh, but then it was going to take a long time for me to walk somewhere. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I'll go get your damn bridge. Uh, and so, I don't know. I think they do it, the the world, they set the world up in a good way that I think makes the exploration feel good. But... Man, if you're used to playing Zelda games and getting most of the stuff, this game is going to feel like it's a much more, like, involved thing. Yeah, you kind of, like... I feel like you just said a lot there that I have a lot to say about. I probably did. Um, like, because... For for me, like I know, like on my first playthrough, I was the same way. Um, like, I, I didn't do much Hyrule Field exploration, but, like... On subsequent playthroughs, I feel like I, I really like the character of Agatha, mm. like the weird bug girl who lives in Castletown, who wants you to bring the bugs to the bug ball. Agatha's bug ball, also another mini game we didn't mention. Oh yeah, I, if you want to call that a mini game, it's more of a side quest. I yeah, think. you get a collection. Sure, right? sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess that counts. But um, yeah, like there's a special glowy bugs around the world, and I find them really satisfying to collect. And for me, they're like a big motivator to actually go explore Hyrule Field. And they do do the um, the Dominion Rod Owl statue quest towards the end of the game to kind of force people to go explore Hyrule Field <laughs> with all the items. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it, it it ends up landing a lot better if you spread it out. Like, uh, like as soon as you um, get the ability to go back and forth between human and wolf form, I think it's a good time to go give it another once over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you kind of have to, like, self-impose or, like, self-direct to get the most out of Hyrule Field um, in this game. Because, like, I feel like for the time they really tried to fill it with content. But it's still not quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a lot of just kind of riding around uh, empty fields and stuff. It's just kind of like at the edges. Um, but uh, the warping is a thing I really wanted to talk about. Because um, right. you could warp in Wind Waker. Yeah. But you had to find the frog guy on the cloud and shoot him with an arrow. Mm-hmm. So you had to like really earn it in that one. And in this one, it just it feels like one of those very Nintendo mechanics to me where it's like they're introducing warping to the game in like more of like the more modern way we think of a warping system, but they're doing it in a unique way or they're thinking about it in a different way than I think other developers would. Like, I think it's really cool that you have to like move the bridge of Elden with the warping mechanic. Mm -hmm. I think like, it was one of those things that like blew my mind the first time I played it, like where you have to like go get that big rock that fell at Death Mountain and drop it into Zoro's domain to melt all the ice. Like that's so cool. Yeah. And it's just like I think a creative use of the warping mechanic. Like, oh, there's these portals, you can see them in the skybox. 
um, they're always there. And it's like, oh, how do we use these in a cool way? And like, and like, yeah, like just like the big bridge of Elden in the desert, you know. And then the fact that there's a dungeon underneath of it, like that's yeah. that's such a memorable piece of the game. Like the first time you do it, there's just like a bridge in the forest area, and then you have to like put it back where it is. And like, I just remember that really standing out to me about the game in a weird way. Yeah, we talked about how in uh, Ocarina of Time they take away your ability to target because they've incorporated navi as the targeting radical like it is a being in the universe that serves a mechanical purpose and so logically when you do it like when you take that away then you aren't able to use the mechanic associated with it similarly the warping is a game mechanic that serves its function but you think what else i mean we're as the warp mechanics existence in this world is justified by these big portals so why not use them for other shit as well? And so it is. It is very cool that they did that. And it's just like one of those things that they're very good at doing. Classic uh, Nintendo. Yeah. And it absolutely works here. I think it's one of the uh, the cooler things about like the, the expanded mechanic set of Twilight Princess. Which brings us to the expanded... <laughs> mechanic set of, of the combat. Yeah. The combat in the game and you learning new moves to use. Uh, I don't know what the seventh move is. I didn't get it. Uh, oh, God. What is the last one? I think it's something disappointing. <laughs> well, thank God I didn't get it. Do you get the the charged uh, spin attack? Because I think that might be the last that one. That sounds like it might be okay, like. last yeah. time it was the jumping attack that hits groups of people. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's the spinning one then. Makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, this is an interesting thing about the game. And um, I was telling you earlier, I, I rewatched Matthew Matosis' video mm. on Twilight Princess earlier today. Um, and so I want to give him credit on this. This is the one time I'm going to, like, quote him uh -huh. um, when this came up. Uh, is I think all the moves are very cool. Um, and I, it's one of the cool presentation things about this game as well, that, like, the hero's shade is right. what he's called, which is he's been confirmed to just be Link from Ocarina of Time at this point yeah. by the developers, which is they're all very cool uh, themed. And uh, But the thing about it that is disappointing or, like, underutilized is that all the moves are optional, so they're not factored into any of the enemy designs. So, like, and you compare it to the Wind Waker, where the Dark Nut enemies, like, you have to use the counterattack on them because you have to learn that move in the game so they can use the move in the enemy designs. Uh -huh. Twilight Princess doesn't do that at all. So a lot of the, the enemies, like the Dark Nut enemies, you just, like, the most effective strategy is to just, like, strafe around them and hit them, <laughs> you know? Like, after they whiff, after they whiff an attack. Yeah. And same thing with Ganondorf. Um, the same, it's the same thing. You have all these moves and you never really have to use them. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's another one of those things in this game. It feels like a missed opportunity. Like, I think this is the biggest move set Link's ever had for combat, but you don't have to use any of it ever. You just kind of swing the sword around. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that, um, in terms of like just the number of verbs that you have. Yeah. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot ton. of stuff. Like this game, definitely the most that you have in sword 
usage. Mm-hmm. I was imagining, like, you could argue that Breath of the Wild's combat is more complicated, but, like... I don't think it is. Only if you count all of the stuff that you can do incidentally with other items, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, this Yeah, game, it's more of, like, the... It's almost more puzzly or, like, more physics-based. Yeah, like, the systems are what makes yeah. the combat complicated. This is, I think by far the most that Link is, is, has been able to do. Yeah, it just feels like it goes to waste. Yeah. I don't disagree. I will say I use them a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I ended up on this playthrough especially. I made it a point to use them. Uh-huh. I really like the shield bash. I think that's great. Um, I like and, the spin around move. Yeah, like the <laughs> jump around their back. Yeah. yeah, that's the best one. That one's great. It feels really satisfying. The one that I used the most, though, by a long shot, was Mortal Draw. Oh, yeah. Where you just walk up to some guy <laughs> and you're like, ah! See, I've, that one feels so situational to me, but maybe I'm just not it's putting a, the sword away ever. It is, but also if you're an idiot. Sure. You just it's, run around and go like, let's try and mortal draw this guy. It's the funniest thing. Yes. Therefore, it's your favorite. I like that there is, there's an animation that plays. I think it's just whenever Link is in combat, if you try and put the sword away, where he like does a sword flourish. Oh, he does the flourish. And then puts it away. I was trying to experiment with it. Because mm. I couldn't figure out, because I don't remember in my any of my other playthroughs him doing that ever. Yeah. And this time it happened all over the place. So I didn't know if it was like if you hit the sheath sword button right after combat, he would do it. That might be. I th- that was like my 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 biggest running theory. And but I was also like I said, if you don't take damage, I was like, no, that's not it. So I couldn't quite figure it out. I I was just imagining that it only exists to prevent you from just mortal drawing every enemy <laughs> in the game, because I would try and do that. Like I would walk up to somebody. Get him with the mortal draw, mm-hmm. and then put go to put the sword away, and he would do this long animation and get his ass kicked. <laughs> okay, I never had it happen in the middle of combat. It was oh, always yeah. after I killed the last enemy. Oh damn! So it must have something to do with sheathing the sword, then. Probably, yeah. Um, <laughs> dungeons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about him. Um, I guess let's talk a little bit about just specific puzzles for mm-hmm. a minute, and then we'll transition to dungeons. Okay. So this is another one of those things, 14-year-old me, blew my mind. Um, uh, so this game has this segment where you're Wolf Link, and it's before you get to Lake Hylia for the first time. You go across Lake Hylia on the bridge, and it's covered in oil. It's like a set PC moment. And uh, Bacoblin, whatever, Moblin shoots these fire arrows, and the bridge catches on fire. And what you're supposed to do is push a box to the edge, get up on it, and jump off the bridge into the lake below. Mm-hmm. And like that was one of those moments that like blew my mind. It felt like such a perfect example of I had to think outside of the box to solve this puzzle. Because, like, you don't have, you never do that in games. Like, you never jump off the bridge. No, yeah. And also, you probably didn't even know there was a lake beneath you. Like, it, it's one of those things that, like, I feel really conflicted on because I found it really unintuitive to figure out the first time. But the moment has stuck with me. Like, I think I told my high school girlfriend about it. Like, it, it like, it, you know, it's one of those things that impacted me so much that, like, I was like, I have to tell someone yeah. about this. Um, so yeah, I just it's a moment that really stands out to me about the game. 
Uh, and I just wondered if you had any opinions on that moment or if it stood out to you in any way. So I didn't remember this moment from the first time I played the game. However, you told this story. Yeah, I think I did. On uh, the episode we did on Link's Awakening. And I literally only knew how to solve the puzzle in this Because I told that story. Because you told the story. I was like, right. But... You said, like you just did, that you push the box to the edge, and that's not actually true. You push the box to an opening in the wall. Oh, yeah? Because it has, like, a bunch of series of these little square openings. The actual edge is slightly too high mm. for you to jump on. And so I died the first time. It was like, that bastard, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> that, lied. that rat bastard, you tricked me. I set it up years in advance. <laughs> But then I was just like, oh, I'm just dumb, as yeah. it turns out, and, and knew the thing. Uh, I, I like that a lot. I think it, if there's any issue, it's... Uh, it's unintuitive, I think. Yeah. But, but I can't really, like, speak on it, because I was 14 at the time. <laughs> That's true. So I feel like I can't give, like, an accurate uh, opinion on it. Yeah, I, I think that there's there are a number of puzzles in this game that kind of have readability issues yeah like i think on this playthrough it seemed very explicitly obvious but i know in like the bug collection part in kakariko there's the house that starts burning down yeah and i remember like on my first playthrough like it just never occurred to me to just leave the house even though i'm pretty sure midna tells you to just leave the house right it's just one of those things like those moments of like just turn around and leave or just bail uh-huh. like by jumping off the bridge that like can feel really unintuitive in games i think yeah but i find like super interesting i remember those moments so yeah i, I think it's really an interesting question of like i brought up on the um the Link's awakening episode is like how worth it are those moments if they cause a lot of friction or frustration for players right well it, i mean it depends on what kind of a purpose they serve because it is a memorable moment, right? Oh, like, yeah. Jumping off that bridge is I'll never something. forget it. Yeah. I'll be on my deathbed, and I'll be like, remember that time? <laughs> you might be a special case in that instance. Sure. No, I mean, I, it's not that <laughs> memorable, but like... But I think a Twilight Princess is like one of the first five things I Well, yeah, of. for sure. For yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, but one, one of the things I think it actually does do, though, is... what? Like, why is it unintuitive? And the reason well, is because most of the time in a game... That isn't the solution. There's like an invisible wall. Yeah. At the side of their bridge. And I don't remember if they give you a cutscene beauty shot of like Hylia before this moment, but like you might not know that there's a lake down there. Yeah. <laughs> but So if you don't, then that's another thing working against it. Yeah, you're like, well, I could jump off this bridge and die on the ground. Yeah. Uh <laughs> But I'm even because bef- before you go there, they even say like, "Oh, Lake Hylia is like all dried up." Yeah, because you fall. Like, in, good like, thing there's water in that one spot. Exactly. Yeah, like the one last reservoir of the lake. Uh, that's funny, and I didn't think about that. Um, but what it does do, arguably, is a little bit of character building, because the hero of time, Link. Uh-huh. Would not he would try and put out the he would not let that house explode. <laughs> he would be like, oh shit, I gotta like bust out the freeze rod or whatever and try and like fix the the problem I caused. But I think Midna as an influence on Wolf Link 
mm-hmm. would just let the house explode. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, after the house explodes, Midna's like, well... Whatever. Yeah, you can't, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Yeah, she's definitely, like, very selfishly motivated in the first part of the game. Yeah, and I think it rubs off on Link, because Link ends up being more of a... This is the most mischievous <laughs> troublemaker Link that exists. And I, I think I think that the moments like that actually do help with that. Because the player, or at least me, like... Yeah, the player myself, will be influenced by Midna. Yeah, you become attached to Midna over oh, the yeah. course of the game. And so I, I think that, like... Having those moments that that emphasize sort of like the more cavalier attitude of this game and that theme of like you can't save everyone until at the end when Min is like, I god damn it, it might suck, but I'm gonna save everybody. Yeah. Like it's a good building moment. And I don't know, I kinda I like it for that. As yeah. far as how good it is as a puzzle, I can't speak on it because you poisoned me. Sure, yeah. I now will also die <laughs> knowing the solution to the puzzle to this one <laughs> in this game. Uh-huh. Uh but I don't know. I do like it. I think I come off very positive on that stuff. Yeah, it's definitely stuck with me, so I'll say it's definitely positive on that front. Yeah. I gotta watch some people stream this, like, blind, <laughs> to see how they what they think of it. Uh, but anyway, so Dungeons. Mm. Dungeons. Uh, I was gonna make a joke when we came in here as being like, I feel like I took so long to beat this game that I don't even remember what the first dungeon was. <laughs> but the first dungeon is so egregiously weird that it I could never forget it. <laughs> uh, it is a weird one. It is a strange one. And I don't necessarily want to go through and talk about like every single dungeon. But the first dungeon is a is a guided tour by monkeys, <laughs> and there isn't a lot like that ever, and it needs to be mentioned. Yeah, I actually really like the monkeys. Um, there's, they, as you mentioned, they are very weird and unique to this game. Uh-huh. Um, but they they work as like a wordless tutorial. Um, they kind of like guide you on where to go and like help you out, which I think is like fun. Um, yeah, but it, it does, it feels very weird because like Zelda, this is going to be a really weird direction, I think, but this is how it always comes off to me. Like Zelda's like very like Western fantasy influenced as far as its aesthetic. Mm-hmm. It's very like, you know, like knights and swords and stuff. Um, and then, but like it, so you're in like a forest and not a jungle and there are monkeys like, like they stand out as like weird to be in the location to me. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's just me being weird and nitpicky, but like I don't think it's like a problem. But like they've always stood out as like a really weird element of the game. I agree. Well, I do. I will mention, and I think that's part of it. Yeah, I will mention that the monkeys are like invasive. Like the characters in Ordon Village talk about how the monkeys yeah, like just started showing village. up and fucking shit up. Yeah. So maybe they aren't from there. That's a that's a good read, I think. Maybe. Possibly, I will. I will say the worst thing because, like, we talked about how egregious the sword tutorial feels when you're playing with a controller, at least. Yeah. Uh, the monkey tutorial does not feel as bad. Because uh, you can like ignore it for the most part. Yeah, and just go about your business. It's like kind of satisfying to save them. <laughs> it is sad, like because they're on the wood cages. Yeah, that you can just bust up. It's like collecting stuff. Yeah, but you also get that. Uh, 
like it does teach like because the monkeys will be like oh go over here oh there's a key in there wild i'm a monkey i don't know shit about that haha <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh i've got a bow in my ear and so i'm the girl monkey <laughs> i'm the girl monkey hey uh <laughs> If I have one main complaint about the monkeys, it is... It's that you don't like monkeys? Is that I don't like monkeys, and I don't like fighting a mini-boss whose ass is uh, just out the yeah, whole time. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta smack that ass. Yep, fucking, it, it's Conga Lala all over again. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. My least favorite thing in any game with monkeys is, is excessive butt humor. <laughs> <laughs> and this game has... Any butt humor, which is mm-hmm. monkey butt humor specifically. I do love that he helps you with the actual boss, though. Yeah, that is That's great. a great moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like the the baboon with the huge ass, um, that thick baboon is the mini boss, and he's the one who drops the Gale Boomerang. Yes. And then in the main boss, like you, you beat him, he had been affected by like a parasite or whatever. A butt parasite. A butt parasite burrowed right up in there. And uh, so you free him from that, and then he helps you in the boss, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. It's like even a great little story moment for this monkey. It has development. <laughs> yes. The... His, his, his butt has development. <laughs> the butt redemption arc <laughs> that happens in the middle of this of the very first Zelda dungeon <laughs> of, it broke the, new... of the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> it broke new ground. <laughs> It broke new wind. It broke new wind. <laughs> uh, with, Multi- the, with the Gale Boomerang, Exactly, obviously. multiple yeah. levels. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but that's pretty much it. Uh, had to mention that, and also, uh, we talked about the Gale Boomerang, and it being the one that does get the most use out of uh, the, the new items, and Dissension makes great use of it. I like all of the puzzles. They use it in a lot of different cool ways. You move bridges, you collect things you like grab bombs and put them places you want them to be because yeah. you can't throw them yet uh and then there's the weird passcode thing where you have to like mm. hit a thing in z order yeah because you can hit multiple targets with the boomerang yeah yeah if anything that is the feature that doesn't get used enough mm-hmm. uh but it's still good uh i don't know i like this dun- I-, I like this dungeon i like a lot of the stuff yeah in it. it's a good introductory dungeon yeah um, the dungeon that I most want to talk about... Go for it. ...is, uh, Snow Peak Ruins. Uh, when I think Twilight Princess, I think Snow Peak Ruins. That, it's my, it's my hashtag fave. Hashtag fave. Um, yeah, similarly to, um, Skyward Sword, in that game, my favorite dungeon is the pirate ship. Mm. I, re- I really like those, like, creative design constraint type dungeons like it's snow peak ruins is a mansion yeah and i i love the idea of like setting a zelda dungeon in a big house um so and um yeah similar in or a big pirate ship um and uh <laughs> I, I think that's really cool like i mentioned in um the symphony of the night episode like I think it's cool that they crammed a whole Metroidvania map into a castle and had, like, area variety. Like, I think this is cool in a similar way, that they're able to, like, design a whole dungeon inside the constraints of a mansion. I think that's really impressive. And um, I I think it's even, like, thematically, like, kind of cool and tied into, like, the... I don't remember her name. There's a couple of characters who are, like, the fucking Hyrule Task Force or whatever... (laughs) 
Um, and each one of them's tied to a specific dungeon. Mm-hmm. And there's like the girl who wears the armor. Yeah. I think her dad may have lived in the Snow Peak ruins or something. She has some kind of connection to it. And it seems like it was like a military barracks. Right. Uh, which ties into the fact that she has like the armor on and stuff. Um, and why so, there's all the cannons. Yeah. Everywhere. So it's like a little bit of uh, environmental storytelling with it too, which is cool. Yeah. And also, you got Yeto and Yetta. Yes. The best characters. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Yetto and Yetta are great. And I love that they... I like the whole... Even the lead-up to it is great. Because you... Oh, you, yeah. Yeah, you have the moment where you go and talk to uh, Princess Rudo. I forget what the actual character's name is. The, the queen. Prince. Oh, yeah, then, then the prince. The, the, the ghost of the queen and yeah. the prince, yeah. Which well, is set up way before yep. and then gets paid yeah, off. Yeah, it's got her. its own little side quest. Yeah. And it's like the best use of the wolf sense, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to catch the fish and then you have to follow its scent up the mountain. Yep. It's super great. And so you do get you get all this, like, setup to it. And then you find out that the, ye- the yeti, the beast from the mountains, mm-hmm. can speak... And, and is, is like a grandpa. And is like a dumb grandpa. Like, I do love uh, Yetta. I think this is great. And then Yetta ends up being the boss of the dungeon. Yeah. Because he's corrupted by the mirror, mm-hmm. which is cool and creepy. And gives you, like, an idea as to, like, what's the big deal with the mirror of Twilight? There's a lot of mysterious, unknown power hiding inside of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not even talking about the actual dungeon, which is pretty fucking good. Yeah. Uh, I love that setup, and I love, I love the... The resolution, the fact that it ties all of, like, it ties, like, half the fucking cast <laughs> into this one dungeon. Uh, and you get the cool ball and chain. <laughs> and it's got the funny joke of, you keep going back to Yetta, and she keeps telling you which room to go to to get the key, mm-hmm. the boss key. Um, and each time it's, like, a different ingredient for the soup that Yetta is making, and you can go back and visit him anytime, and you can just fill up a bottle with the soup, and it gets like more like more healing each time you put a different ingredient in it, which is fun. Yep, I took some of the uh, the superb soup. Yep, uh, to the <laughs> final boss battle of the game. Yeah, you serve it to Ganondorf. You guys become best friends, it's and he's tr- no longer evil. It's true. And you, 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 <laughs> you you <laughs> melt his icy heart with a fresh island soup. <laughs> And then you you can unlock Ganondorf in Super Smash Bros. 64. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, all of the, the secrets aside, mm-hmm. uh, I do like this dungeon as well. I think uh, one of the things I was thinking about, potentially before I got to Snow Peak, I kind of forgot uh, going through, was like, I feel like, and I'm loath to say it, that I felt like the dungeon design in ocarina might actually be on the whole a little bit better than the dungeons in twilight princess one of the things and re-listening to our episode on on ocarina actually made me really double down on this Uh uh-huh in ocarina we specifically note the forest temple as being one where the design is cool because it loops back in on itself and it's one of the harder dungeons in the game yeah and it is, and yeah, and we also mentioned that it's like the hardest dungeon in the game. This game, Twilight Princess, on the whole, is like fucking Bloodborne with the number of shortcuts. 
Like, every dungeon loops back in on itself and, like, opens doors that are shortcuts to other places. And, like, you'll, like, shove a pot out of the way and there's a claw shot target. You're like, who put that there? Somebody trying to help me out. Because uh-huh. now everything's. Designer? Yeah, a great level designer who knows how to design great levels. Uh. <laughs> Uh, and this is, like, the the king of that, because it does, it just, like, you make little, like, figure eights. You go off and find a location and get a pumpkin, and then you come back. Well, and you get the ball and chain, and you can break the ice in the courtyard. And then and... you have free access to both wings of the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. It's so fucking good. This, this dungeon it's feels dense. like... like yeah. I, that's why I like those creative, like, smaller dungeons. Yeah. It's so it's just great. Yeah, it's just real good. I would say my biggest issue is ha- is why you have to use a dumb switch device to move the iron balls. Oh, I between think that's kind of cool. It's a cool device, but it feels like you should be able to just take it Carry through em. the door. Yeah, that's one of those things that it, it it feels it's consistent throughout the whole game until you get to the Twilight Realm. You had to carry the ball, and yeah. you can go through doors with the ball, so breaking your own rules. I will note, because I thought this same thing, uh, the doors in the Twilight Realm open without... Automatically. Yeah. yeah. And, like, has to physically open the So do the, the ones doors. in the Sky Temple. Some oh, more fuck. advanced technology. All right. We're back. Um, did you I try didn't... carrying a pot through a door or something? <laughs> I didn't, actually. I just noticed, like, Link doesn't have to yeah, open the door. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a weird thing to have noticed, but I did notice that this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, Snow Peak is a standout for sure. It's got a lot of character, and it feels unique. So, uh, if you if you come to the Zelda episodes for the favorite dungeon <laughs> selection, Snow Peak Ruins gets a fucking gold star for both of us. Yeah, and my other favorite is the Desert Temple, which we already touched on a little bit. Um yeah, and it it actually uses the wolf form. Um, it has the creepy little skeleton men. Um, yeah, and I, I know it, it references specifically the forest temple from Ocarina of Time with the mm-hmm. postals. Um, but I I think very well chosen reference, like in place to do it and reason for it. Uh, I think it works really well. And um, yeah, yeah, they, they they actually do do a secret wall in this one. Like, one of the postals is behind a wall that you can't see uh, without being in wolf form. Like, it just, it feels the most, like, vertical slice of Twilight Princess to me. Like, where you're actually switching back and forth. Um, just, uh, yeah, I just think it's really well designed. Yeah. And It'll... I think it, it, it closes out with a really cool boss. And then at the, you get to the top of the temple, and it... You have the story Mirror of Twilight section. Yeah, the mirror chamber. And even getting to it is cool, too. It's kind of like bookended with cool set piece stuff. Yeah. I think the the one thing that holds it back for me from being, like, top one, I'm not sure exactly where I'd put it. We'll, uh, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get a nice, concise top so It's three. a solid two for me. Yeah. This is, like, it's a number. It's a big number two. It's a big number two. Uh-huh. Uh, it's at least, like, a top four for me. Uh-huh. The one thing that holds it back for me, I think, in in aggregate, is I just don't like the sand mechanic. Mm. I think that it is a little too finicky as to when you're able to, like, roll on it Mm -hmm. versus, like, when you're too deep to get back up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so it ended up, like, 
it claimed me many times during my <laughs> <laughs> during my playthrough. Sure, I was eaten alive by that sand, and uh, so it, other than that, though, like everything about it is really good. I love being able to switch uh, or like doing the the scent thing. And finding, like, the pull lever switch under yeah, the sand. Yeah, like, you have to, like, move things, like, to different levels. Like, yeah, it feels like it's got a lot going on. Yeah. And it's just good puzzle design. Yeah. And it does the fucking Clover figure eight thing from the Forest Temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, great shortcut design, guys. I love it. <laughs> it's like the chandelier. You had to pull up, and then you can't run through it in time so you had to stop in the middle and, and you had hole. to realize that there's this the hole in the middle if you do get onto the other side you get rewarded with a meaver stamp <laughs> <laughs> the most useless collectible in a zelda game ever mm-hmm. uh as of like 2020 or whenever they shut that that's earlier than that i Probably. think i think it's more like 2018 only got two years to use the sad Zelda stamp. <laughs> I remember, I don't remember what game I was playing, but I remember playing it after something on the Wii U after the Switch came out. And like all the Miiverse posts were just like, hope I get a Switch for Christmas. <laughs> it was very sad right before it went down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, that's, uh, and then this is also where you get the spinner. Yeah. Most underrated item of all time, no clip <laughs> official uh, stamp. Most potential most, award yeah. goes to the spinner. Has lots of potential, and this is the dungeon that makes the most of it, so uh, it definitely was cool. I love that room, that Tony Hawk room. Oh, yeah. Where you I know just, the room. Yeah, where you just like platform with mm-hmm. it. It's a super fun, good time that I enjoyed a lot. Uh, I don't love the boss. Star-Lord? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's one of those ones that definitely benefits from doing it a few times. Like, if you know, like, when to jump to not fall down, the boss is much more enjoyable. I think it's just, I have an issue. Because you fight him entirely with the item, almost. Yeah. Which is a rarity. You do, like, all the damage with it. Yeah. I, I liked the first part. Yeah, you spin it around the circle. Yeah, and then you drop in and, like, you gotta dodge the the fucking terracotta soldiers or whatever uh-huh. uh, and get to them. But the second half, I think what it is is I don't like bosses where they go around in a tunnel. Mm. I don't like the one in, in Majora's Mask. Yeah. I don't like mm. the chariot in Dark Souls, Souls 2. 2. Yeah. <laughs> no, just miss me with that shit, I yeah. guess. I don't know. I mean that's fair. I also don't like those two bosses, but this this one lands for me. But once again, might just be my familiarity. I mean, this is a cool fire breathing skull. Yeah, that's a pretty neat cool. Thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna say that isn't. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. And it's got a sense of speed to it, which is nice. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I really. All like right, I'm coming around on Skull the, Lord. <laughs> the presentation, I think, is cool. Like, I like how like you're pushed to the side of the frame and that like link himself actually physically spins on top of the spinner. It's just really cool. Yeah. It's good. I love Star Lord. <laughs> best, best boss in the game. Best boss in the game. Number uh, one boss. Um, so do you have, uh, any other favorites to call out or any that you want to talk about? Uh, there were definitely a couple things, but I'm, 
drawn a quick blank. <laughs> What's on your list? What's in your wallet? Um, I kind of wanted to talk about um, the water temple a little bit. Because um, that's what a temple that I thought was so complicated and difficult the first time I played the game. But on subsequent playthroughs, this felt so easy. <laughs> and I, I, I think what it is, is just that like the dungeon is laid out in a circle. Mm. So it is both symmetrical on the X and Y axis. So it can be kind of disorienting as to where you are. Um, but like if you can keep that in mind, it's actually pretty straightforward like i just didn't know if you found it to be confusing i would i was just curious about that yeah this is one that i actually it's like you had to take the water from the top floor to the bottom floor on like both sides right yeah it's like the big thing that you're trying to do yeah it on this playthrough which so this is the second time i've played this dungeon i had no memory whatsoever of it prior to this uh because i have blanked my memory Uh uh-huh uh I did find it pretty complicated. One of the things that I was upset about is that there's, like, some vines on the wall in one of the bridge rooms that you can grab onto and jump into the water. And as far as I could tell, there was no good reason to do it. I ran around it with the iron boots all the way around the whole (laughs) circumference of the dungeon. Like, there's got to be, like, a piece of heart or something in here, right? No. There doesn't (laughs) appear to be anything there at all. It's just, like, some clams. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, here's what I like about it. Uh I think it is a very cool design from, like, a... Like, if you're designing a dungeon, this is exactly the kind of thing that you want to come up with. It's like, it's got multiple levels. Mm -hmm. You can go to each level, and each door goes to somewhere else. Some of them are blocked off by these water wheels, and then you got to figure out, like, how to dump the water through them. And doing all of that, I think, was really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing about it, at least in my head, that makes it really cool is there's that central idea of getting the water from one place to another, mm. and like the water flows through the whole dungeon, so it do- it could potentially do something different in each room. Like it runs through each uh, room on the way to like the the next area, and it like does something. Like it it starts the thing spinning again, and like that changes the room in a different way. So I think, like, global stuff like that in a dungeon that you have to think about, uh, like how different things affect something all the way across the dungeon from where it started, I think is really cool. Yeah. And this actually lines up with past no-clip <laughs> opinions on dungeons. Uh-huh. Uh, us calling out that we like the dungeon in Majora's Mask where you knock the pillar out in the middle. Oh, yeah. And it changes globally the whole layout. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that, yeah. That definitely is good. I also <laughs> like... <laughs> because, like, I think it's, like, both good and bad in the way that it's presented because... I agree. If you've gone through it and you know, like, what your goal is, Mm -hmm. it makes it very It makes it way easier. Yeah. Yeah. But when you don't know what's happening, like, before you activate one water thing, whatever, it is, like, 
completely baffling as to what it is you need uh, to be doing. It's easy to fixate on like spinning the stairs around and be like, what the fuck does this do? And to <laughs> fuck around with it and be like, oh, I don't remember which position it started in and mm-hmm. where it was going and where I need to go now. And <laughs> you can kind of, yeah, like curiosity can kill the cat. Mm-hmm. So it does get, it's a little bit, I would say it's a little over designed. There's a lot going on, a lot use, of moving parts. It could use more, like, landmarks. Mm. I think that would solve the problems. Yeah, especially in that central room and yeah. then the, the areas leading out from it. Uh, also, the <laughs> it is symmetrical to a fault, because the two areas that you go to release the water... Are the same. Are the same room, but one of them is a little bit more derelict than the yeah. other one. Like, it's not it's not different enough, to the point where I was actually concerned that I had gone in a big loop when I got to the second one, so... Yep. Uh, still cool, though. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to call it out as one that, like, I remember it being very confusing. Yeah. And every other time I've done it, it's felt very easy. But, I mean, that just kind of comes with the territory with this kind of stuff. I think that is kind of, like, my thesis statement a bit on the design of this game a lot, is most of the stuff that I didn't like, I didn't like because it felt unintuitive or confusing or a little bit weird. And uh, to support that, to go to the Fire Temple, uh, Mm. I had no issue with the Fire Temple itself, but getting to the Fire Temple was unintuitive you have to go you have to climb a wall and get pushed off a cliff and then told to go back to ordon oh yeah, yeah so yeah. that you can talk to the tusk master general the <laughs> mayor who has weird facial hair uh-huh and he gives you the iron boots i thought he was going to give me the silver gauntlets but apparently that's a different game yep uh <laughs> no gauntlets in this one no which gauntlets. I, I think is actually a pretty funny reveal Oh, yeah. They talk about... It's like one guy who was able to best the Gaurans. It's like, oh, he just cheated yeah, with the Iron Boots. <laughs> well, he didn't know the fundamentals of sumo wrestling. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah, I guess yeah. is good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then you, like, go... And you have to go sumo wrestle the the chieftain. Yeah. But to get there, you have to, like, do all this wild shit. Like, you go up a cliff and you the Gaurans like, throw get, you. Yeah, to get the Gorons to curl up in a ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you spring up onto onto their backs, and then there's a hot spring with a shop. Yep, and that I, you'll never use. Yeah, I like jump down there. It's like, what's the point of this? Oh, no, nothing. Oh, nothing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's lots of times when I just was like, I guess I just have to comb every inch of this area to figure out what it is I'm supposed to do. Yeah, you're trying to get up. Yeah, you go up. Go up. That's <laughs> the solution. Now, yeah, I don't disagree. It's a bit unintuitive. Yeah. Also, I said I would mention shops. This I'll just throw oh, it in yeah. right here. Every shop sold all the same items. <laughs> and we talked before and at length on multiple episodes at this point that Rupees and Zelda games are not really worth anything. Mm-hmm. This game is maybe the worst that we've played <laughs> as far as it that goes. It has a couple of things to sink Rupees into, but that's about it. Yeah. I rebuilt the Eastern Bridge. Yeah. And then they it wanted even, 2,000 more. It even has armor that you can put on that drains rupees when you put it on. So That is true. Um, I have a weird note about about shops, I guess, that relates to shops. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's more about Kakariko Village and Castletown. Mm-hmm. Like, Kakariko in this game is themed as, like, a Western ghost town. It I, I just have to wonder... 
like it's like a chicken in the egg thing. Like, is it supposed to be like a world building thing that Kakariko used to be like a bustling town, but everybody left and moved to Castletown? Or is that just kind of like a retroactive happy accident? Like, did they put in Castletown because they wanted to have like a cool Castletown marketplace uh-huh. that was like fleshed out and like bigger and cooler than the one in Ocarina of Time? And then they were like, well, fuck, what do we do with Kakariko Village? And they're like, oh, we'll dump all the kids here. Uh, there will just be one guy that lives here. And then after you beat the. Yeah, and then you'll beat the. Uh, the fire temple and then some gorons will show up yeah like it just it feels kind of useless there's just the one bomb shop like i remember going into like probably like three-fourths of the way through the game there's like a hotel or like an inn or whatever and there's just like collins in there yeah and like the the one shaman guy's son or woman i don't remember what gender that person is they're they're male but it always surprised me yeah so his son then uh are just in there there's nothing in the building it's like what what's the point of all this like there's just the one shop at the mallow mart which you upgrade yeah and it just moves to castletown like (laughs) it's one of those things that feels like what what were they going for here there's the the children's side quest kakariko village and stuff related to that all feels like very weirdly handled and makes me wonder yeah it just feels like that part was rushed or like they thought about cutting those elements but then didn't and stuff like that uh i don't i don't disagree with any of that (laughs) except the concept of anyone thinking that castletown in this game is better than the one in in ocarina (laughs) that's actually just like that's stoner talk for people who puffing on that devil's lettuce because Castletown in this game sucks ass and is the worst place to be. And I actually like Kakariko specifically because it is not Castletown. Sure. Uh, but also, like, I don't know. I didn't do much of, like, side questing in Castletown. I didn't yeah. get that Goron kid, his dad, back. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, rip that guy. <laughs> uh, I don't know what happened to him. Um but Castletown is just too intimidating to want to explore for mm. me. There's too much movement happening, and I can't focus on uh. anything. So I just, I always beelined to my destination and then got the fuck mm. out. Uh, Kakariko, I actually explored. Like, you can go in that little lake in the back. Yeah. And bomb and get some Yeah, you do a shortcut to uh, Lake Hylia. Yep. It's pretty neat. I like yeah. that stuff about it. Uh, as far as the theming goes... <laughs> It seems weird. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to shout out the at the the hidden village. I think it's called. Oh yeah. Is they play Western music and have you do a shootout? Mm-hmm. So they had like a weird thing, a, an itch for westerns when they were making yeah. this game for some reason. Yeah, I'm actually pretty fond of Castletown in this game, but uh. <laughs> Oh, no. It, I've never really engaged with it in Ocarina at all, so I guess different strokes. Yeah. Um, what What can you do in Castletown in this game? It's 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 more just, like, the, like, the aesthetics of it for me. Like, the fact that it actually feels like a lively place. Like, it's just, it's where Agatha is. Um, it's where Thelma's Bar is. It's where the Star Minigame is. 
the Mallow Mart goes there. Yeah. There's a, actually across from that, there's like a place where like some Gorons show up. It's like a really easy thing to miss because of the camera angles. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's about it. Like there's like a guy that you can give like, I think it's like some thousand amount of rupees gives you a piece of heart. Um, there's not a ton of stuff there. It's just like, it's just like the, the hat trick of making it feel like a real town is what I like. I like it like thematically or like what it adds okay, to the yeah. presentation. That's fair. That's fair. I just didn't like being in it. Sure. Yeah. It's very, very and it's also got the, the Giovanni is also there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I do like being in it, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. We <laughs> it, just, it, it, it triggers some, here. yeah. Agoraphobia for you. Mm-hmm. It's just <laughs> It's just too much going on. Yeah. Also, I remember being in there as a wolf one time and finding a bone. Oh, yeah. And then there was a dog, and he followed me when I had the bone. Uh, nothing happened after yeah. that. Yeah. I'm it, sure there was something I could have done. That happens when you're a human, too. Mm. I don't know if that's just supposed to be a cute thing or if he can, like, find something for you. Probably, like, a piece of heart or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Okay. So we were talking about dungeons. <laughs> Oh yeah. I don't know if you had more to say. Um I okay, uh least favorite dungeon in the game. Mm-hmm. Sky Temple. Okay. Don't like it. I I I feel like I disliked it the first time I played the game like a lot, but I I feel like it's grown on me over time. Uh I like the weird music. And I like the Ukukus or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, because they're like themed after like an MC Escher painting, and I think that's like weird and cool. And like some of them like walk on the walls, like in the painting. <laughs> yeah. Which is fun. Um, it has some cool puzzles. I think like I really like having to grab onto the grate and lower down to like pull the thing. It's like one of the last puzzles you do to like make the big propellers turn. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really cool. Like that's one thing I like spatial stuff. Like you have to realize you can do that. Um, And I I think the boss is cool. I also like Like Argorok. I will Uh, always remember his name for some reason. The twilight dragon. Yeah. I think, okay. I don't want to like shit on your childhood here. Sure. Um, Cause well, first of all, to not shit on your childhood. I agree with the 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 stuff with the double claw shot. While it's not my favorite, the stuff that... I like that it's the only instance of... I am straight lying. <laughs> it's one of the only instances of being able to combine items. Oh, yeah, with the iron boots. Yeah, but when you do it in the menu with, like, the bombs oh, and stuff, yeah. it doesn't feel the same. As when you're hanging there, and then you put the iron boots on, and you have more weight to pull stuff down. Yeah. That feels good. It's the best version of combining <laughs> items, is what I meant to say. Yeah. Uh, and also, definitely not talking about those Okukus, because they're amazing. <laughs> I love them, and I also love the music. Uh, so that's all true and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can say that about any instance of an Okuku, and also <laughs> most of the music in this game is great. Yeah. Um, if I were just talking about Malomart, yeah, one of the most influential theme. themes mm-hmm. of this game. Uh, 
However, I do want to like. You don't like the boss. I do not. I hate. I hate the boss. Ah, uh, yeah. Actively I, dislike the boss a lot. Once again, not really talking about mechanically. I just think it's cool to fight it on top of the dungeon and it's raining and stuff. That is cool. And I you do have to put on the iron boots, which is really cool. And it knocks the pieces of armor off. Yeah, which is a great thing. But doing it, <laughs> no, I don't like doing it. Yeah, it was it was a lot harder with the Wii remote. At least that was my memory of it. That's probably true. Yeah. In this game, in this you just kind of like press the A button a lot. Yeah, you just kind of hit the A button. You go around. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big presentation person. Mm-hmm. But even so, I mean, like, I like that you can see him flying around while you're doing the dungeon. Yeah, that is pretty, pretty great. cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I love this. I love this one. <laughs> No, I think I think the problem that no, I have it is definitely just like, isn't. Yeah, yeah. Most of the dungeon is kind of tedious to do. There's a lot of things that require you to just sort of like hang there and slowly like move your ass around mm-hmm. a big room. Uh, it's a real big rooms game, but it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely it's it's hit and miss. I think um, it's grown on me with time. Yeah. Now the Temple of Time. The Temple of Time is a really interesting one. Yeah. Um, it almost feels like, I feel like we've talked about this in other games, like almost experimental with the formula. Because like it's a linear progression through rooms to the end where you get a statue and have to bring it all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Which I think is pretty cool. Um, and is used sort of in the Twilight world as well. Like yeah. you go through a linear selection of le- of, of yeah rooms yeah and that come that back feels more like a, a gauntlet to me than a dungeon but that's hair splitting I guess <laughs> um but yeah yeah I think it, it's really satisfying when you have the big statue and you can just smash it with its big hammer yeah I think I think Temple of Time and I don't actually have that much to say about it like that covers it it's a it's a linear level where the the puzzles and the way that you interact with each room changes on your way back because you're controlling this big robot who has different abilities than you and you have to get it to certain places. Um, yeah, and also a very cool callback to Ocarina. To, yeah. Because I think it comes late enough into the game that you're not expecting it. And oh. especially you've already gotten the Master Sword and mm-hmm. then you come back. Yep. And it's like, oh shit, the Temple of Time was here the whole time. Here's the music. Uh-huh. Remember? <laughs> I like that the doors open and it's like black and white and then yeah. you pass through and it, it, it washes in. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, I don't like having to do the exact same Skull Kid following Lost oh, Woods yeah. thing. But like, it's padding. Yeah, it's padding. I think probably one of the easiest versions of the Lost Woods puzzle. Potentially the easiest. Yeah, because you have both audio cues and visual cues. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah. Nothing much to say about it. It's it's the Lost Woods. It's the Lost Woods, but um, easy. It's yeah. easier than the one in Prince of Persia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think I think not a ton to say, but I think the the Dominion Rod mechanics uh, are really cool and yep. interesting. Uh, it was one of the few instances where I went into a room, recognized instantly that there was a puzzle that was going to require the Dominion Rod. And remembered and came back and did the puzzle yeah. with the one with the slots. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw the statue in. Uh, so this is actually this is gonna be my number two on okay. my top three list. I think I'm going. That's kind of surprising, but also not that surprising at yeah. the same time. I think I'm locking it in. 
Snow Peak Ruins, mm-hmm. Temple of Time, and then... Uh, Arbiter's Grounds? Arbiter's Grounds! That's the desert. Yeah. Uh, I might like that one. <laughs> That'll be number three. We'll lock that in at number all right. three. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, I guess... I don't know if is there's a ton to say about the Twilight section, other than it's too brief. Yeah, it's pretty short. Um, getting the... It's cool to be there, though. I mean, like, the wall master chasing you through the dungeon is pretty cool. I love a wall master. Yeah. I'm and, glad they found a way to incorporate it into the game. Uh, and um, the uh, getting, like, the sword beam mm. is cool, too. So you just kind of, like, cut through the the fog and shit. Oh, you get a beam? It's not like a beam, but your sword glows. Yeah, it's like, like yeah. I thought I missed something. No, you, didn't, you okay. don't shoot a beam. It's just... Uh, your sword's, like, charged with glowy, cool power. Um, yeah, I think that's fun. Um, I have a funny story uh, about this. So I, when I was playing this when I was 14, mm. uh, I was playing it in my parents' basement, and we had people coming over, like, family coming over for something. I don't remember what. And uh, my uncle, so who are, like, my aunt, my aunt and uncle that gave us our NES, like, they got an N64, for their wedding mm-hmm. uh, as a gift, and they gave us like our, all their games. Um, one of which was like Zelda Two, and not Zelda One. I don't know if they kept that or they didn't have it. But um, so they played video games, you know. And uh, he came in like I was still playing it in the basement, and he looked. I was in the Twilight Realm, and he was just like watching me play it for a second. And he was just like, "This used to be such a nice, simple game." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it gets pretty complicated. Uh, I, yeah, like the whole Twilight Realm thing, I guess, mm-hmm. if you're just dropped into that. <laughs> maybe doesn't look the most Zelda. No. But I just always thought that was funny. Um, but anyway, um, and then it leads up to Zant, uh, whose character is ruined in one fell swoop. I don't agree. You think? I think justice for Zant. <laughs> Because, like, here's my perspective on it. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I described him earlier. Um, he's very imposing, and he seems so, like, calm. and like He seems like one of those, like, intelligent villains that's, mm-hmm. like, got everything planned out. Like a Gus from Breaking Bad or something. Um, and then, like, we talked about this a little in Majora's Mask about... And we were actually wrong about this. I wanted to amend this. Oh, good. We talked about how the final... It fin- turns out not actually Bone Springs. Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> um, but we talked about how we were like, oh, yeah, like the final form of Majora's Mask is just weird, wacky uh, <laughs> form that just, like, you know, jumps around and stuff. It's actually not the final form of Majora's Mask. It's actually Majora's Wrath that's the final form. It's, oh, like, yeah. bigger... Um, so we were wrong about that, but, um, yeah, like I think taking him from being that like really menacing collected character to making him like a weird psychopath, (laughs) it's just really jarring. Like, I think if he'd always been characterized that way, it would have been fine. It just feels like so the opposite of what he had been portrayed as up to that point. That's I, yeah. what I don't like about it. No, I can give you that. I, I and think... I kind of just wish he would have just been the bad guy. 
They just had to like it. It almost feels like an insult that they were like, "Cool, menacing bad guys, aunt." Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna make him a weird, goofy, childish psychopath man, and so Ganondorf has to step in and like fucking be the real threat. Yeah, if you listen to his dialogue, and by listen I mean read, because uh, uh-huh. the game does not have voice acting. Um, if if you read the dialogue, it's not like he is going insane. No, it's just like he's has like a temper tantrum. Yeah, but it's all visual, right? Like yeah. he starts flipping around and like bending over and doing <laughs> weird stuff. I perceive it less as him being a childlike madman, mm-hmm. and instead that being like that's his fighting style, right? Because when he actually fights you, mm-hmm. he like just like flails intensely and does spin attack moves mm-hmm. which uh, like you can be brooding and still do spin attacks maybe not in a narrative uh-huh. but like in real life that's totally fine if that's just your shit that's uh-huh. what you do um uh that's the best defense that i got for it <laughs> otherwise it's not super great yeah uh, the voice acting that is there isn't great. No, it's just like a bunch of yeah, and which it's... is like so not at all. Like there's a part, like I the part that I mentioned where he like almost kills Midna. Like mm-hmm. that, like the thing, he's like a face shield on his mask uh, that goes up, and like he like leans in and like whispers something really creepy. It's just like classic villain shit. Like mm-hmm. it almost feels like Hannibal Lecter like leaning in and doing something like really creepy that really like gets under your skin yeah uh i don't know he just comes off as so uh yeah i've already said it a million times he just he seems one way and then he just kind of like bounces off the walls and it just doesn't feel like it matches yeah i i also think that his boss fight doesn't do him a ton of favors no either. yeah it's just like a boss rush thing yeah it would have been much better, because, like, it's a boss rush in the weirdest way, where it's like you're in the areas, and they guide you what to as to what to items to yeah. use, but in every version of it, it's just him shooting projectiles at you. Yeah. It just seems weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a big disappointment, I think. Yeah. I am not, however, disappointed in the fact that, like, at the last second, Ganondorf mm. shows up the final boss. Because I, I do, like, when I think of Twilight Princess, Zant is the villain of this game. Yeah. The fact that Ganondorf shows up to be the final boss is just sort of like... A formality? Yeah, it's a Zelda that thing. That doesn't need to happen. It sure doesn't. And they don't need to make you turn into a dog to throw him to the side <laughs> yeah. one time. Yeah, it's not that, like, I, like, think it's, like, a sh- like bad or anything that you fi- you finish out the game uh fighting Ganondorf. It just it feels like such a missed opportunity. I mean, I, I think it's to be fair, I think it's a little bad. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> but like I mean like it's not even like so much that I'm like, oh fucking they had to do this. Mm-hmm. Like like I think I, I talked about this on the God of War episode, like how they introduce the what is it, Blades of Chaos? Oh, the things like that, the yeah, chain yeah, yeah. swords, yeah, like from the original games. It's like I I totally get why they did it, mm-hmm. like, but they introduced such a great alternative in the axe uh-huh. that they didn't need to fall back on the old favorite. Like they could have just done the new thing, yeah, 
And I feel like this is the same situation. Like, Xant was a really great villain. You didn't need to also have Ganondorf. It feels right. like they got insecure and were like, well, we have to put Ganondorf in there. Yeah. Um, like, uh, what is it? A Minish Cap just had Vadi as the bad guy. Right. Like, just have Xant be the bad guy. <laughs> and they did this in Skyward Sword. It was like, Girahim was the bad guy, and then... They had to have not Ganondorf, yeah, aka Demise, Demise, be the bad guy at the end. It's like you I just you just don't need to do it. Yeah, do something different. Yeah, that is the thing that I think is bad about it. I think that it would have been a more concise story if Zant was just the end of the boss list. Yes, for the game, I just think that having Ganondorf there, I don't think takes away from Zant's presence as mm-hmm. the villain for the majority of the game. I think that I think that the whole Hyrule Castle dungeon part feels very unnecessary for the most part. I you... I don't disagree, but I really like it though. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but I've always found that dungeon to be really satisfying. I think you need it there yeah. in order to justify the inclusion of the whole team. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, like every Zelda game, or like all the 3D ones, I think, anyway, that at least have Hyrule Castle in them, have a little castle dungeon at the end. Yeah. But the one in Twilight Princess stands out as my favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about it. It's not particular. I, I can't point to any one thing and be like, that was great. <laughs> but I just like it a lot. Yeah, I like that there are multiple paths through yeah, it. Yeah, you don't have to do the whole thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool uh, that that's like an option or a, th- a thing that you can do. Mm-hmm, like shooting the paintings off the wall is kind of cool. I didn't do that. Oh, I thought you had to. Like, there's like puzzle solutions behind them. You shoot paint. Oh, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's the one that shows you what order to light yeah. the lights in. Okay, I do remember doing this. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say it was, like, the best thing in the <laughs> no, world. I yeah. just think it was memorable. <laughs> Apparently not for me. I don't know uh, why. Because yeah. it took me a while to realize it was a thing. Because mm. it's not something you're used to doing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What about the Ganon fight? What did you think about it? <sighs> okay, I really like Puppet Zelda as a concept. Like, uh-huh. having to fight Zelda is a really cool idea. Um, I will say Metal Gear Solid did do it first. Sure. You had to fight Zelda in Metal Gear Solid? <laughs> yeah, when you fought Zelda. Wild. It's fucking <laughs> Psycho Man. It's like you like yeah. Twilight Princess. Psycho Zelda. Um, uh, but overall, I think, disappointing. Yeah. Um, especially on this playthrough. Like, the, like This is a thing I kind of wanted to talk about, but I don't think would really bear a ton of fruit from our <laughs> perspectives. It's like this the difficulty of this game. Uh, well, this is like the seventh time I've played it, but like I found it to be like super easy. Um, the whole game or the final? The boss? whole game, and okay. especially like I'm bringing it up now because of the final boss. Um, like Ganondorf, the final just sword fight with him that it ends with. Fa- like I was shocked when I knocked him over and like did the final blow that it was over already. Um. um but yeah, that, that, I, I'm sure that's in large part due to the fact I'm so familiar with the game. But like, I don't know. I just it just felt like so anticlimactic, ugh, anticlimactic this time around. Yeah, I, I think I think the boss fight itself is in the horse 
back part is annoying as hell. <laughs> I didn't find it annoying. Uh, it's. I feel like it's so hard not to get knocked off the horse a million times. Oh. I didn't get knocked off the horse even one time. I don't believe you, I but... S- uh, <laughs> I'll put it, it seems, up. We'll do yeah, it again right now. It seems impossible, but... Uh, I mean, it's not really that important, but... Uh, I, I find I I think that the horseback part is the weakest part. Yeah, of it. especially as someone who never rode the horse during gameplay. True. Well, I had to during the part that was yeah. preparing me for this <laughs> moment exactly. Yeah. Against King Bulbous or whatever yeah. his name is. Uh. So, the the Zelda Ganon fight is the same as every Phantom Ganon fight. Yeah, it's the tennis match. It's the tennis match. That's fine. That's obligatory. It apparently just has to be in every game. Yeah. And it is fun. I like that. It's it's, it's really cool that he possesses Zelda. Yeah. The Beast Ganon in this is is depressingly a nothing. Mm-hmm. There's not much going on with it. And well, it's because the wolf doesn't have any mechanics to support the fight. <laughs> yeah. So you don't use it for a while. And then you have to for the third hit. Yeah. And then it's just over after that. Uh, the horse part, part part is either annoying or pointless. Mm-hmm. Not a great split. Uh, <laughs> and then I really don't like the sword fight with Ganon. I find the sword fight with Ganon very annoying. Uh, I find that the best part for me, but I still don't like it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like it, it doesn't use any of the sword mechanics. You just kind of like strafe around him and hit him. <laughs> it's not like the Ganondorf. Like the special moves just don't work on him. The, uh... Like you can't leap around him and do shit. Yeah, or at least not consistently. Now, when you hit him with the shield, he just kicks he, he just you. kicks you. Yeah, like I. It just feels disappointing. I will say I am happy to finally know where Ganon's forward tilt comes from. Oh, yeah. Brothers. It's that kick is what it is. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it is just like, like, we, you look at Ocarina, which this game gets compared to all the time. For obvious reasons. Yeah. You have a Ganon fight that is dynamic. And, like, you can use different items to do things to him in different ways. To attack his tail or whatever, you get around back. Yeah. And you get him with the hook shot. Or you you stun him and throw bombs or whatever. Like, and this just felt like... Yeah, you don't have the Master Sword. Yeah. Yeah, I have no reason not to just hit him with a sword in this. Well, that's what they want you to do. Yeah. And it sucks. Like, I would I would love to use the Link, the link Arsenal... The fucking trademark of the Zelda franchise in the final boss. And yeah, you just hit him with a sword. Yeah, it, it feels like they want it to just be the classic, like, these are the final tests for the different parts of the game. Like, you have the the wolf part, the horseback part, the horse and part. the sword fighting part. Um, yeah, and it, it feels suitably climactic, mm-hmm. um, you know, as I said, like, just, like, presentation-wise. But yeah, like, I think it feels like just disappointing as far as like enjoyable boss fights go. Yeah. It is really cool to like come out onto the top of the castle, like you come up the stairs. Yeah. Like, that's pretty epic. But uh <laughs> that's that's the positive thing I'm saying about it. Uh, <laughs> just yeah. being on top of a castle, pretty cool. <laughs> it is it's crazy that that after all this build up it us 
largely being positive on most of this mm-hmm. game, that the the fucking final boss is like the biggest letdown of the whole thing. Like as far as like bosses go, it's like literally like bottom <laughs> two for me. It it is weak. I'm trying to think. I don't know. It might be the worst Zelda final boss that I can think of. In oh, this I'm talking moment. about bosses. In oh, in Twilight the game. Princess. I yeah. like baboon ass better than Ganondorf. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but he's pretty low. He's D tier. He's D tier. Uh, the the baboon ass is B tier, obviously, <laughs> for baboon ass. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway, for booty. For booty. Um. Uh, you have a big old list of things. Do we I cover? feel like we. I feel like we uh, just wrap it up. Yeah. I agree. No, we didn't really talk about Midna, which I did want. I would. I would like to close out with that. Let's close out with that. Uh, I, I mostly just want to maybe just do a Midna warship session. <laughs> uh, no, I just think she's a really cool character. Um, I, for my money, she's easily the best Zelda companion. Um, she's actually got a personality. Uh, she is the first instance of voice acting, and they use the little gibberish, uh, scrambled uh, language to like I think great effect. Mm-hmm. Um, she yeah she she has like an arc you know like she starts out just kind of using Link, and then like um, she grows to care about him, and and Zelda does like a sacrifice for her, et cetera. And that's the cool set piece in the middle of the game where she's like dying. Yeah, very cool. Like you just get very attached to her over the course of the game. And I, I think the ending's actually really touching. Um, not to get too sappy. But like her actually like saying goodbye to Link and like breaking the mirror is like to think a pretty effective moment. Yeah. I would agree with all that. Uh some like I think the best some of the best like deliberate storytelling that Zelda's ever done. Yeah. Yeah, we we kind of skirted around it a little bit as far as, like, the actual narrative goes. Because, like, in most Zelda games, there isn't, like, a ton, but we we did bring it up on several occasions. It's like, you do get character building. You do understand Minda's, uh, like, motivations near the end. Uh, she has a personality, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that, like... And it carries... It's, it, like, weird thing to call out, but it's persistent when she changes back to, like, a... To a, a Twilight, yeah, she doesn't like act different, yeah. like maybe like like uh, like Tetra and Zelda, in in Wind Waker. Yep, uh, and that is also the King of Red Lions is the king of <laughs> Zelda uh, companion characters, but Minna definitely close second. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. You got to quote Matthew Matosis once. I did. I'm going to bring something up that I think he might have said. I haven't watched his video in years, though. Sure. Um, there's a sequence that you just mentioned where Minna's dying and you have to oh, take her yeah. back. And you have to go through Hyrule Field and there's this fantastic piano track. Mm-hmm. That just keeps getting interrupted by other music. Yeah. I think... It wasn't in that video? Oh, yeah. Okay. He brings this up. Yeah. I think I remember hearing that and going, like, what a nitpick garbage <laughs> point. And then when I played it this time, I was like, holy shit. Like, it's so bad. Because the music is so good. And the other music isn't, like, fucking bad. It's just the weird combat music. Yeah, that just, like, busts in and ruins the experience. Uh, it makes me very upset. Yeah. I completely agree with his point. 
but I don't find it to be that big of a deal. Like, I would much prefer it to just not interrupt the music, uh-huh. but personally don't find it to be that big of a deal. Dude, it's such... It, I mean, I agree. The I just, gravity I don't, of the moment. I, I don't think it ruins the moment. <laughs> it took me out of it. Yeah, yeah. I went right back to playing Cookie Flicker. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> the most immersive game. Yeah. All right. Do we have spinner thoughts? <laughs> Farron thoughts? Do we have Farron thoughts? Okay. So my Farron thoughts are uh, too big to condense, so, but I'll give it a shot. Um, so, yeah, as I've said multiple times, uh, this game came out when I was 14. It was my first full Zelda game. I had rented ocarina from blockbuster and i had recently gotten phantom hourglass on the ds uh and i had played a little bit of that but this is the first zelda game i played all the way through um and i think that's why i'm so attached to it uh for obvious reasons um and there there as i said or kind of alluded to i uh in the first half of the podcast i feel like there was a point in time where this game's like quality was debated among people uh, who are big nerds. I uh, like to talk about Zelda on the internet. And I feel like there's a lot of the criticisms of like the beginning of the game in the wolf form are totally valid. Um, but it, and it's always compared to Ocarina of Time because it's very much like a follow-up to it. Um, and I've always like wondered like if I hadn't played it first, like would I be one of those people that like thinks it's just like in the shadow of Ocarina of Time, just doing all the same things again. Um, so it was nice to talk about this game. Like, I feel like it holds up, but as I've said a million times, I'm really attached to it. Um, it, it seems like you liked it, and I was worried the whole time I was playing it that you weren't at all <laughs> going to like it. Um, so I think that's that's affirming for me, I think. Um, yeah, I, I'm more confident in my feelings that it holds up um, after this conversation. But... Um, I just think there's there's a lot to like about it. Um, it, it. It feels unique among all the Zelda games. I think, um, surprisingly, like at the time, it seemed like it might not. Um, and, uh, yeah, like just like the, the realistic art style feels like gritty and interesting. The Twilight Realm is very cool. Um, like, I think that the, the dungeon design is pretty solid throughout. Um, yeah, like a few standouts like Snow Peak and Arbiter's Grounds for me as like some of the best in the series or most memorable anyway. Uh, cool items, unique items. I want to see some of them come back someday. Spinner, Ball and Chain, Spinner, where Dominion you Rod all have potential. Um, yeah, overall, I think just like a really good Zelda game. Um, there's just They're all so different. And I think especially now we've gotten several more or a handful more games after this. The fact that it is a little closer to Ocarina almost seems like a positive um, because, like, they're all so different in getting a little bit more of that flavor um, that it, people liked so much. I don't know. I, I, I like that you're able to get it from more than just one place in Ocarina. Um, yeah, I, I think we kind of alluded to this, but um, I think the biggest detriment to this game is just that it has a little too much in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I think it, it's a little too overambitious. 
um, and just crammed a ton of stuff in it. Like I think they've they've gone on record in like interviews saying that they had to cut some stuff out of Wind Waker um, to make the deadline for it. And I think they just ended up putting that stuff in this game. And so, yeah, it is just really full of content. Mm -hmm. Um, In some ways for better, in some ways for worse. Um, So I really like this game. It was fun to revisit. Um, And uh, I don't know, I guess I feel just that little bit more uh, assured of my love of it now after our conversation, I think. Uh, Yeah. You know, like, when your friend gets you a gift, and then as a joke, they take that gift, and they put it in, like, some, uh, like, cheese cloth, and then put that in a plastic bag, and then wrap it in duct tape, and then put it in a lockbox, and then you're like, oh, gotta open all these different things to get you the gift in the middle of it. That's kind of how I feel about Twilight Princess. I feel like Twilight Princess is, like, the best 3D Zelda game that is wrapped up in a bunch of garbage that <laughs> that does weigh it down a lot. Uh, the, the, the amount of stuff in it is... When, which is normally, like, a pretty okay thing to be there, ends up feeling like it hurts the game overall just because of how long the game is. But there's so much in the game that does work. Most of the dungeons, while I think the the puzzles and the combat elements of the dungeons don't necessarily stand up to some of the better ones in the series, uh, definitely hit at least a middle ground or a little bit above. But then the actual layouts and the designs and the aesthetics of those dungeons and the world surrounding it, I think, is extremely good and raises it above uh a lot of things i i think going back if i went to the list the top list of zeldas i don't know that this uh really i don't think it ranks in my top ones but it is definitely this experience definitely did uh help it climb this is a really good zelda game and and especially the way that the combat works it's a lot more expressive on the part of the player which is something that I really enjoy. Uh, so, yeah, I would say it's safe to assume that this game does, in fact, hold up the way that you think it does. And Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did really enjoy a lot of the parts of it uh, that I just didn't... There were just some things that felt like they really padded out a game that was, like, 50 hours <laughs> long, which is... I would say that's that goes into the category of unnecessary padding. Yeah, having played it a bunch before, like, my playthrough came in at 30 hours. Well, my playthrough via the pause screen says that hmm. I played it for, like, 210. <laughs> but those are mostly aspirational hours. Those are hours when the console was on and I was going, I'll play it today. <laughs> But that was a that was a lie that I told myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think roughly fifty is probably how much I spent on the game actually. Anyway, yeah, that's that. Good game. I liked it. Fun times. Hell yeah. Uh, those are my spinner thoughts. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Ho ho ho! This isn't really Christmas themed at all. Uh, it's December. It has childhood vibes. It does have childhood vibes. Next time, we're going to be talking about 
Space Station Silicon Valley. Just Google it. <laughs> it's an N64 game. It's an N64 puzzle platformer game. Made by Rockstar. Made by Rockstar before they were Rockstar. And you play as a comp- as a robot in a computer chip form. Bear with me next time. All right. All right. <laughs> Uh, until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There, you can find links to our Twitter account, our email address, uh, the YouTube channel, our Discord, where you can talk about the games or suggest new ones for us to play. Uh, you can see all of our old episodes. We've done a Zelda game every year, so you can go back and listen to such gems as Minish Cap, or Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, um, Link's Awakening, yep. Breath of the Wild, oh, yeah, and Wind Waker. <laughs> and Wind Waker. Yep, that think... might be all of them, I'm not sure. Probably. Uh, and make sure that you come back the same time next year uh, when we talk about Link's crossbow training. <laughs> Finally. I've been waiting every year for it. Uh, claw, shot, claw shot that like button. Yeah. Do you use the Dominion Rod in the comment section? Gail <laughs> yeah. uh, Boomerang, that bell. Use your wolf sense <laughs> to... Uh, I guess there's no use for it, huh? Get the coral earring <laughs> uh, to catch a reek fish. Oh, but, uh, let's get the reek fish squad. <laughs> Who's Goodbye. our smelliest fans? <laughs>